Okay, so this is the actual proper recording, and we are back. Hi, Stuart. Hi, Andy, was it? Andy, yeah, I remember you. It's been yeah, a while, hasn't it's it? It's been a while, yeah. What happened? We said we were going to do an alien <laughs> special. I did, that's what, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so this is our second tape, because we, we did about ten minutes of realised we weren't actually plugged in. But we'll it, try again, man. And it was all gold, which it, we can never it was, repeat. Oh, it was, fun, it was the best podcast ever. We, this is just a tribute. <laughs> we dished so much dirt on. <laughs> We spoke out of school about everybody. Oh, honestly. Absolutely. All that gossip, ugh, gone. All those things that were said <laughs> behind some, the scenes. All those amazing ideas for the next few believers. I can't remember what we said. Gone. Yeah, we'll just have to do what we normally do. Absolutely. Make <laughs> it up. So what we've been up to, it's been a while. It's been uh, over, over a year. year. Yeah, yeah. I think I threw one out last year where I, you put a couple of the panels out from True Believers 2016. Mm-hmm. In which I promised we would be back proper, and then we never were. But it was last year was just got away from us. I think personal stuff. There was a lot going business on last stuff, year. Yeah. A lot going on. Absolute chaos. Plus, you know, uh, it was good TV. I fell down the murder she wrote rabbit hole, and <laughs> and I was addicted. So you know, yeah, absolutely. I'm moving to Cabot Cove soon. We're, we're completely. I mean, yeah, me and you were completely up to date, aren't we? You, you, you um, fell in love with murder she wrote. I fell in love with Thirty Rock. I'd already fallen in love with the 30 Rock, just to be clear. I'd, I'd done all the top quality TV. <laughs> so, yeah, so I was going back, back to the to 80s. <laughs> it's fine. It's something you can put on and enjoy and ignore at the same time. <laughs> in the best possible way. But yeah, um, so yeah, um, 2016 was a bit of a shit year. It was, wasn't it? Well, yeah, highs and lows. Highs and um, lows. A um, lot of deaths, a lot of big celebrity deaths. A lot of big celebrity deaths. we're not really deaths. going to because they've been done a death, so to speak. Kind of a very disappointing year film-wise, I thought. Yeah, absolutely. Um, sort of redeemed towards the end with Rogue One and Doctor Strange and that, but... Mm. Had some promising stuff in the beginning, Civil War, that sort of thing. Well, yeah, that was last year, wasn't it? And also Batman v Superman, which, you know, opinions are divided. Suicide Squad, of course. Suicide Squad. And the summer was really disappointing. Yeah, it was, wasn't it? I can't even remember. Even the films I was excited about, like Jason Bourne let me down. And mm. Star Trek was all right, but... It what, was, what was your film of the year? Uh, last year? Uh, I was going to say the Peanuts movie, but I think that might technically fall into 2015. Yeah. I loved the Peanuts movie. It was fantastic. Yeah, I loved that. Uh, my film of last year was probably Hunt for the World of People. Yeah, I was going to say that was mine as well. That I think... Was, uh, it was really good, and then, but yeah, got a year to look forward to. So or Cloverfield Lane because I I didn't enjoy that. I love that. Didn't care for it, no, but then I, I didn't I, care for the original Cloverfield either. It's because you're a git. Well, it's just meh. <laughs> it was what it was. Mm. But anyway, we are back. We're back. Nobody asked for it. Nope. But we came back anyway because yeah. you know due to unpopular demand. Due to the fact I've been paying for this friggin' web uh, podcast hosting thing for <laughs> an entire year, and I'm bloody use it. <laughs> My wife said I either cancel it or <laughs> we make use of it, and I chose the lesser of two evils. <laughs> so, a month and a couple and a week ago, it was True Believers 2017. Was it? It was. I should have gone to that. I know, absolutely. <laughs> after it a was. year of planning. After a year of planning. Well, some would argue. Uh, <laughs> It's been half a decade, pretty much, in planning. Oh, Christ, absolutely. So this is the third event. It is the third event. Our fourth year as True Believers. We yep. came together in 2013. 
2013, absolutely. So, yeah, 2013, Five, yeah. 14, 15, 16, 17. Yeah, it's our fourth year. Next year, 2018 will be our fourth event, but our fifth year is... Well, no, the fourth True Believers event. Yeah, not fourth main True Believers event. Main, yeah. main True Believers event, because we've had the, the, the smaller mall events. We did. We did a couple of more cons last year, which we did. went well, and we do the Christmas one at... Smoky Joe's. Yeah, and then we've had the um, the Paul Cornell event. We did. We had the evening with Paul Cornell, which I did an interview with Paul Cornell afterwards, which if all goes to plan in the middle of this podcast, you'll hear that interview. Yeah, which is a you know, brilliant night, wasn't it? We're actually playing around with editing. Yeah. It was. Working. It was a really good night. It was, uh, Paul was great. He really engaged with people. and Yeah, very nice man. And yeah, everybody really enjoyed it. And he took some time afterwards to sign stuff for people and gave away some free comics and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was really good, and uh, Jack got to meet him, my uh, eldest. He's oh, yeah, just getting into Doctor Who, so there was a little mini nerd off. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, more events like that this year, hopefully. Hopefully, yeah, we're trying to set up some more evening with sort of events. So um, hopefully, have something. Uh, I've been speaking to a couple of people. Um, hopefully, getting a couple of comic artists mm. to do it. So. Touch wood, we will keep you posted on that as and when they happen. So, True Believers 2017, for people who couldn't make it, what did they miss? Everything. It they was... missed the greatest Comic-Con event. They mi- well... No, I was if... talking about True Believers. Oh, sorry. Sorry, I thought you said San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> um, they missed um, a great lineup of guests. Yeah. Um, they just missed a great fun day out. really... For, well, for us, it was a long, hard day, but it was so much fun, and it was just—it was—it was a great atmosphere as well. I thought it was. It was really nice. Every, everybody, certainly that I spoke to, had a good time. I'm sure there were a couple of people who didn't, but yeah, but we, we had a good time. But they we, were all wearing orange shirts. Absolutely, we had brilliant <laughs> cosplays. You can see on our Facebook page of all the amazing cosplays and the, the cos cosplay costumes and. The, Really good events. The, um, the the panels were brilliant. We added some workshops this year as well. We it did went yeah. really well. We did a designer character with that John Late from Level Eight Comics ran that went really well. It was for kids. Um, that went really well, and we did a superhero life drawing. We did we won the session as well, which yeah. went down really well as well. It was a fantastic. So event. there'll be more of that to come yeah. at future events. The workshops really worked out really well. Yeah, it was more of a sampler this year, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah, it was a we can test in the water more. sort of thing. Um, but yeah, certainly superhero life drawing is something we'd like to look at doing more of. Yeah, I was blown away by that a little bit. That in the future, great. maybe as its own separate event mm. occasionally. Um, yeah, I think. I think we vastly improved on mistakes we've made in previous years as mm-hmm. well from our side of it. Signage. So if you didn't come this year because of the horrendous queue the year before, it went really smoothly this year. We we sorted that out. We even sorted the weather out. We did. Gorgeous yeah. weather. We blue did. skies. That was probably our biggest expense was paying for blue skies. But At one point, we had somebody saying that they couldn't see on the, that because the sun was in their eyes. I mean, how amazing is that? <laughs> A stark comparison to 2016 where it was a uh, ominous thunderclouds yeah. and torrential rain but yeah so if the queue put you off coming this year it is fixed we um we set the um lobby up so that we've got two separate queues for people who pay for their tickets in advance you just come straight in you get your stuff you get in you go straight in there's no, there's obviously a slight wait because that is the inevitable thing yeah, of a queue. Of course, yeah. 
but it was nowhere near the chaos that it was the year before. Mm. Um, we pretty much nailed it with having two separate queues and everything running. It was like a machine. It was a well-oiled machine. Um, which is completely down to the agents that ran the desk. They did a superb job. Um, all the agents did an amazing job, um, which is great. And they do it all for free as well, mm. So, which is superb. But yeah. Um, bananas and grapes. Yeah. <laughs> which uh, makes it sound like we're blowing smoke up our own ass, but we're not. It's, yeah, absolutely. A lot of planning goes into it, isn't it? We're we're aware of mistakes we made in the past, and we're grateful for the feedback we've got, and we've been working at fixing them. So, and hopefully, we're going to get better and better. Hopefully, yeah. Um, But yeah, um, like Andy said, a lot better signage, a lot more signage outside, telling you where to go, how to get there, that sort of thing. That was the one. That was the one query that we had from the last event before. It was the fact that because the the racecourse is a fantastic venue. Um, but I suppose it's a little bit confusing because there are basically two entrances and one of them, they're on different floors. So you can kind of lose your bearings what floor you're on. And so yeah. people were getting a little bit confused because there were staircases where they didn't expect to be staircases, etc. And I think it was one of those things that because we know the venue so well now, we couldn't, we sort yeah. of, we weren't impartial enough to be able to absolutely tell so where signage was needed and we where it was. We sorted out this year, didn't we? So, we yeah. literally had signs towards signs, you know, we, we were... Oh, we have not. We got some nice shiny banners as well outside Lots of the event. Lots of banners. I'm swimming in banners. Absolutely. I don't need any bedding because I've got banners. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, we got a really, really good seven meter banner outside the front of the event. As you walk in, you can't really miss it. That's that. You know that, that looks very good. And yeah, a lot of really good feedback as well from people there. People behind the tables. A lot of people had a really good time. Um. Whether they made money or not, people still had a good time, which is mm. a sign that it's a good event. And it's a really friendly event, and everybody's really friendly in speaking to people. And some really interesting people to meet as well. I mean, the artists and the other independent publishers. Just great. Everyone's got something to say, and it's just fantastic just to chat. But Which is what a con should be. And as with all great cons, there was lots to there to buy. Um, they say a lot of small press this year. We had a really good selection of some small press. Mm-hmm. Artists and creators and publishers, which was great. Um, guests, a lot of original art, um, Funko Pops and all that sort of stuff, if that's what you're into, which I'm as guilty of as I love the comics, but I also love the merchandise. We're currently sat yeah. in front of a bookcase full of it. <laughs> Don't turn around. <laughs> um, yeah, no, really, really good. And We should have Facebook Live this. We could have got some... Kind of thing. That's maybe that's something we should do going forward. Absolutely, it's Facebook Live as we're recording, so we can get some interaction. Oh, wear a mask. Yeah, <laughs> I just have the camera so it doesn't point at you. We uh, wear those uh, V for Vendetta masks, like or that everyone seems to be doing. Yeah, yeah, that might get us in more trouble because I think Anonymous have grabbed that. So. Oh, they bugger. So yeah, well then we might end up doing some WikiLeaks by accident. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah, if you've missed. True believers, or you've never been sure. If you love comics, if you love a really good social gallery, if you love cosplay, um, if you love just seeing people create, the amount of people you could walk around and see them mm. creating art, or even if it's just walking around the guests looking at them doing all the commissions they were doing, it's fantastic. Very inspirational. Fantastic. It was, and sickening that with the ease with which they did it. But um, yeah, no, highly recommend it. And I, I mean, I know we're biased, but. But there are other good events out there too, so... Um, but yeah, obviously we're a bit more biased to ours, but 
three years in, I think. Yeah, we're only getting better. We're maturing, not like a cheese. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, all events like these where it's independently run, we're just a couple of guys who foolishly got it's together. No good stuff to make a trouble in our neighbourhood. <laughs> Basically, yes, but instead of one little fight, we did three <laughs> big Comic-Cons. <laughs> that would be the we Antilo Club Well, I mean... Do so you have to pay for that? <laughs> you probably know. You've probably done too much of it, so... I talked <laughs> over you, so it's... <laughs> Dead air as we both swig drink. Yeah. Um, Sorry, we took badly yeah. timed that, didn't we? <laughs> but, yeah, um, but, yeah, that's enough blowing smoke up our own ass, oh. kind of thing. Um, yeah. But there's plenty to look forward to. So there's True Believers 2018, mm. which if what year is that? I'm not sure. I'll have to look it up. Mm. But yeah, that'll be on the. I should have checked the date for that. Really, first Saturday of February. So whatever that is, is that the third next year? Yeah, we'll be going yeah. backwards, isn't it? So we'll yeah, be the third year. So yeah, they get closer every year mm. until you know wibbly wobbly timey wimey works out and we end up being further away again. But but yeah, no, we should be back for that. Um, Advanced tickets are available now at an early bird price. You'll get the lanyard for that, and instead of ten pound at the moment, there's seven pound fifty for adults and twenty pound for families instead of twenty five. Like I said, they all come with the lanyard, which we'll be announcing the artist and the character that will be on the lanyard soon. Where can I buy that ticket from, Stuart? You can buy that from OKTrueBelievers.com forward slash tickets. That's quite professional. That, that was quite it? professional. Yeah, you can tell I've typed that a lot. Over. <laughs> Um, yeah. Um, so the lanyard competition is that is actually a competition you're running, isn't it, at the moment? Well, the main lanyard last two years it's been Jack Lawrence has done it, so the Harley Quinn one and the Deadpool one, and we're hoping he'll be able to do it again this year, but we haven't asked him yet. So <laughs> we're, sh- we're shaming him on this, Jack. If you're listening, mate, <laughs> we've got favour. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, we love what Jack does with them, and it. If if he'd be happy to do it, we'd love to have him designing next year's one as well um but we are also you may have noticed the people behind the tables wear lanyards and the press that come along get a lanyard and the photographers have lanyards and that sort of thing so we're running a competition on the website at the moment where you can design the image that will be on our lanyards because they were piss poor last year they they? were piss poor because some guy called i am zoot Hello. did a couple and then some fat beardy wanker with delusions of being able to draw (laughs) Did the other two. Um, so, yeah, we're looking for some really good quality ones this year. <laughs> um, and you get entered into a competition. We've got a panel that will then pick their favourites and assign them to which lanyard they'll go on. So it'll be a guest lanyard, an exhibitor lanyard, press lanyard, photographer lanyard. I'm saying lanyard a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Key word today is lanyard. <laughs> and the Celebrate Cosplay one that the cosplay guests will wear or have on them um if we get lots of entries we might look at doing the agents doing one. the agents one small mm. press breaking down the exhibitors one so it's exhibitors small press mm. traders really mixing it up a bit people with mustaches people with mustaches or different guess who ones yeah <laughs> um but yeah and in return for that you'll get you'll get full credit on the lanyard your name will be on the lanyard as you know lanyard by um, Joe Blogs, or or people who aren't called Joe Blogs can enter as well. Mm. Um, if Joe Blogs does win, that's not a bias, by the way. We've not already 
picked a favourite. <laughs> Sorry, Joe. Sorry, Joe. The guy is just there, Joe. Blows. He's like, I'm listening to a podcast. I'm like, shit. <laughs> I've got a chance now. <laughs> Why did I have to be called blogs? But yeah, so um, doing that, and then, like I say, the winner, full credit on the lanyard. You'll get to see your artwork hanging around people's necks, which always sounds really sinister when mm. I type it. Kind of, you know, his body was found. <laughs> um, yeah, you'll get either two free adult tickets to the event or a family ticket if you're under 14. It's open to all ages, the competition, anybody can enter. Um, and you'll also get a framed, a special commemorative framed edition of all the lanyards together with a little plaque on it. And that, if you look on the website, you can see what I did with the ones for this year. Um, they're all framed. The four of them are framed together in a thing with a little in a frame with a little plaque on. It's a lovely frame. Yeah. <laughs> it's for you, Craig. That's for you, mate. Um, but yeah, so yeah, it's a nice competition. It's different, and hopefully, it'll get people out there inspired to create and do things like that. And um, we've got a few exciting things coming up that we will be announcing soon as well related to the event a couple of charity things that we're working on um and then guests will start being announced soon um again if you've been to the ones before you know the kind of guests we get we're just comic focused guests mm. it's not tv people unless you know <clears throat> they are actively working within the world of comics at the moment which is the whole kind of this the is the whole concept behind the true believers event isn't it it has been from day one it is. It's a nostalgia for the kind of con that doesn't really exist anymore. Although yeah. they seem to be coming back more and more since, with things like Ice and Leamington and that, they focus on comics. Yeah, absolutely. I've a lot more now, more. which, which is good. Yeah, um, I th- we were described as the Thought Bubble of the South, which which was is awesome, very awesome. Kind of insulting to Thought Bubble, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Um, People say nice things. and So Thought I, Bubble of the South would be Thorpe Bubble, wouldn't it? <laughs> Yarp. Thorpe Bubble. <laughs> oh, we're just insulting an entire demographic. <laughs> yeah. Basically the people in our region we've just insulted. We just pissed them all off. <laughs> You're like, fuck you, we're going up north. <laughs> we got a Thorpe Bubble. <laughs> but I don't know whether we are like thought, the thought bubble of the South, or whether it's just because we're true believers in their thought bubble. They just saw TB, and I think they're th- they're true believers of the North. I will, yeah, that's what I think they are. <laughs> Even though they came first, <laughs> <coughs> <coughs> but yeah, um, yeah. Anyway, you can find all that stuff on the website over the thing, and we've also got a summer variant edition event coming up. Do. Which is going to be held in Gloucester, not at the race course in Cheltenham, um, at Blackfriars, which is where True Believers was originally going to be held. Mm, right, so when we initially ago. discussed the idea back in 2013, mm. we were looking at doing it there as a summer sort of event. So this is basically like seeing, a bit like when you see what Bob Kane's version of Batman would have been like without Bill Finger's influence. You're basically seeing True Believers without my insanity <laughs> <laughs> the raw version the, the proto thing but it's it's going to be its own event it's going to be well. in the summer as well I'm, the thing I'm looking forward to is putting up the banners and not freezing my fingers off that would be nice yeah or getting wet or getting covered I in know, mossy or in the dark or in the dark after the event like this year token down the events the, the, the banners at 
what, seven at night or whatever it was in the freezing cold and losing those scissors. Or if you came this year and you saw our big banner above the entrance, fighting the wind from the night before. Yeah, trying absolutely, to put that trying to put that up. It looks lovely. There's a lot of blood in that. It was, yeah. <laughs> it's like those Kiss comics. <laughs> they put their blood in the ink. <laughs> no, it wasn't. Nothing like that. <laughs> Sorry, CLK. <laughs> you know you don't put blood in your work. Have you seen their process? <laughs> <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> See, it's a five-cutter process. C-M-Y-K-R. <laughs> That's where your graphic designers are there. You're all going to hell, graphic designers. Um, yeah, no, and it's it'll be different because it's in the summer as well. Which mm. It's the 20th of August, which is a Sunday. So it's a bit like the True Believers Day 2, mm. just six months away from the original. <laughs> so there's a lot of people have been calling for it to be in a two-day event so we've sort of answered yeah there's just a bit give us a bit of a rest time between the two we just like a bit of a gap yeah so you know we need quite a lot of time to recover before we go again that's (laughs) the story of my life really (laughs) (laughs) and over sharing (laughs) but yeah um, again tickets for that are available at oktruebelievers.com forward slash get hyphen tickets um and they're just £5 with under-14s going for free. It might be under-13s, actually. Um, you double-check on the website. But, yeah, so that's coming up. And, like I say, that'll be different. That'll be summer. If, and it's a nice day. It's a beautiful venue. It's a medieval priory. Mm. So lots of big stone walls and really interesting sort of venue. I think we've always been quite lucky with where we've done it. We've put events in interesting venues is this the exhibition version of you got the, they're really nice frames yes it is isn't yes. it it's a really nice venue <laughs> what kind of monster would go to an exhibition and compliment the frames instead of the artwork <laughs> um yeah um it's got a lovely courtyard so get it's some great. outside cosplay yeah. stuff going on plus in, in the server it'd be fab and there's pubs nearby as well there are, which, there are lots of pubs we're hoping event doesn't we're hoping to get a few different sort of local things involved as well make it a bit of a town event Hmm. which would be nice um so yeah yeah tickets for that as well um so yeah that's what's to come what to miss uh uh, like i say we talked about true believers the more cons we did last year talked about paul cornell didn't we yeah um yeah so that's sort of us up to speed and a little bit in the future yeah absolutely um when the table's um released Tables for True Believers 2018 will be on sale at the end of March. So I think it's the last Friday in March they About go on two sale. Weeks. Yeah. So, um, again, same sort of deal. You're booking through the website. Um, slight change. There'll be specific tables, specific things, um, exhibitors. There'll be artist tables and then others. You might have to email us to let us know what you're going to be selling in advance. Just so we've got a good variety of tables again to keep it up um a lot of space for small press again we're planning on keeping the majority for small press and really boosting that and supporting it um if you are small press as well we do a lot through the website to sort of promote and plug if you've got a kickstarter coming up let us know and we'll send you some questions to do an interview um all sorts of things i mean back loads Mm. Kickstarters this last month because it's just been a great month for them. Um, check out John Late's Breath and Born One. 
Uh, Bubbles 07's got a Kickstarter on there that's <laughs> going for another week. Um, Human Beings is on there. Um, there's a couple of others that I'm forgetting as well. El Marvo's just finished, but that looks fantastic. Um, there's Space Captain as well, I think it's called. That looks fantastic. But yeah, um, if you go on our website and go on the advertising bar on the right-hand side, there's a load on there that you can click on and have a look. And yeah, keep us posted on those as well. Um, like I say, we're really passionate about supporting small press and not just singling out ones that we feel are better than others or running competitions where we crown one better than everything else. Ours is all small press. Um, you know, unless you... Pays a lot of money. Yeah. Or So, so far it's just been all small press. <laughs> unless, unless your comic is, like, you know, deeply, deeply offensive... We we are there to support you in that, and um, yeah, we've got a nice audience as well. So I think people get a little bit of kickback. It might not be a massive amount of kickback, but it's you reach a few more people. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we don't charge you for it. We do it all for free. It's good content for our website. It's good exposure for you. Um, yeah, when you book a table, whether you book a table with us or not, we are there to support you. Uh, if you book a table with us, it comes with all the extra exposure that us having a website offers. So our five-question interviews, plug-in, various things you've got going up, social media, that sort of thing. We work really hard to get you out there and get people excited about you being at the event. And, you know, in return, if you're coming to the event, any promotion you do to say you're going to be at the event is good for both of us too. It really gets people coming and seeking out your table and that sort of thing. But yeah, you can find it all on the website and any questions or anything, just drop us an email, anything you want us to look at and do a shout out for. We don't do reviews or anything like that. We just do, we inform people rather than about things out there and then let them go and make their own decision. We don't mm-hmm. review things just because that's not who we are. <laughs> who are we to tell you that whether something's good or bad or... Um, yeah, so so yeah, that's that. Um yeah, any questions ever, just drop us an email at oktruebelievers.com and we will get back to you. We're pretty good at getting back within a day or so. Um, obviously, it depends on personal load and that. We are doing this on top of jobs and families and whatnot, but, you know, we're we're pretty on the ball with it. And, um, yeah, sort of waffling now, really. But, yeah, but Nerds Who Haunt Themselves is back as well. So we're going to look at doing things a bit more sort of we'll still be on the monthly sort of basis we'll try and book in to get together once a month yeah record a podcast absolutely so this hopefully will be the first of regular ones yeah and they'll be a bit more formulated and with some of them as well we'll Mm. start looking at specific topics like we did promise a long time ago that we were going to look at the alien films and yeah we just didn't fancy watching prometheus but (laughs) maybe with alien covenant coming out we can Look at doing that to tie in with that, but anything you... we were going to do audio books at one point as well. We were going to do audio books as I well. I actually listened to them all, and we never did anything with it. <laughs> it makes it sound like I've wasted your time. Yes, you have. You wasted my last twenty years. <laughs> it's been longer. Has, yeah, it's nearly twenty-five, my friend. <laughs> um, yeah, no, but yeah, we will do one where we sort of look at audio books as well. Um, that sort of span out into me just starting to write a book on all the audiobooks the dirt mag stuff 
which will be coming soon. So, <clears throat> but we've also worked out how we can record interviews. <laughs> Absolutely. After how many years of trying? So we're looking at so like this one, we're going to put the Paul Cornell interview in the middle, and we're hoping to get some interviews going as well, so that mm. it's not just listening to us drone on. We've actually some people you know what they're talking about. And yeah. Not waffle. And uh, yeah, maybe getting some other people in, getting together with other people to be voices on it as well. Yeah. Doing specific. Damn, you're popular. Oh, yeah, aren't <laughs> um, it's not just me texting him. <laughs> so yeah, um, we've we've got plans, but yeah, like I say, in a minute we'll put in the Paul Cornell interview. Yeah, seamlessly. We're going to sit here and listen to it. We really are, honestly. And then after that, we're going to talk a little bit about Logan. Okay, we'll just talk about some movies. So yeah, well, let's talk I'm about. Not, some... I'm, I'm bored with you, believers now. Let's talk yeah, about something else. I think, yeah. I think we've blown smoke up our own ass for long enough. Absolutely. So, all right, then, well, what are you excited for this year? We've got Alien Covenant. Yep. Which I'm sort of excited for. I don't know whether you've watched the trailers or not. I, I'll tell you what, I went to the cinema. I'll mention it in a minute, but I went to the cinema at the weekend. And as I came out of the cinema uh, to the corridor with all the other screens, there was a poster right in front of it. It's a new Alien poster right in front of me. And all it is is black. With the kind of light just catching the side of the alien. Oh, is that the one that just says run? Just says run. Yeah. That did it for me. Have you seen their trailers? It's, yeah, I, I'm quite excited about it. I'm, I'm mixed because I'm burned by Prometheus. To be fair, since, well, in many people's opinions, since Aliens, mm. there hasn't been a good alien film. I, the, I, alien 3 has got a lot of merit for yeah. me, but it's not a great film. I like Alien 3. My big problem with Alien 3, which we're just going to blow our load from an alien thing, is yeah. that it undoes everything I'd invested in the previous film. Yeah. Which, with Neil Blomkamp's one, potentially bringing back Newton Hicks. That if it, that's if it happens. If it happens. Literally, every time I go onto Facebook, there's some, oh, it is going to happen. It isn't going to happen. It is going to happen. It, um, I really hope it does. I hope they don't... I hope it's like it finishes that Ripley-Hicks story without... If, if they're going to kill him, they own it. I mean, at least Alien 3, I felt, did a really nice send-off of Ripley. Yeah, the swan dive. It's not so much the swan dive, it's the tape playing at the end. Yeah. From the end of the first film mm. that she recorded, which quite why she took that into space with her, I don't know. But... Bored of us, I guess. <laughs> I'm just going to re-listen to the uh, <laughs> me recounting how my first crew died. <laughs> over and over again. <laughs> No wonder none of those Marines wanted to be her friend. But yeah, and then Resurrection. I was so excited for Resurrection in 1997. Mm. It was the first Aliens film I saw at the cinema, and yeah, it was disappointed. And then, Terrible movie. I've only ever seen that once. Then Alien Resurrection, Alien Resurrection, Alien vs. Predator happened, Yeah, which was a low point. Then Alien when you think it couldn't get any lower, Alien vs. Predator Requiem. Which is... Unwatchable. It's horrible. It's, it's so dark. As in, it's dark in that the lighting is. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I don't mean dark as in always moody. Oh, how do they do that? But they seem, you can't they see what's going on. The tone was horrible. It's like the first person you see die as a child. Yeah. You've got this whole thing that the pred alien likes eating babies or whatever mm. it is. It's like, what the fuck is your problem? Because mm. <laughs> their next film was that Skyline or whatever it was called, and that involved like pregnant women having. Aliens and, scooping their babies out of them and weird glowing skeletons. Yeah, it was. Yeah, and then yeah, we had Prometheus, which everybody I think thought would be the return to form, but was it was disappointing. I know there are people that defend it, and 
fair play to them. I'm glad they enjoyed it. But oh, God, you remember what happened? There? I've only seen it the once. I watched it at the cinema. I bought the Blu-ray. It's got a really good making-off documentary on it. But mm. but yeah, but no, I'm hoping Alien Covenant isn't more of the same. That no. it does something new and interesting with it's it. Actually, got aliens in it. Yes, which does feel a little bit like they've had this plan for the Prometheus arc and they've just sort of abandoned that now. <laughs> yeah, it, oh, yeah, but that wasn't very popular. I know. Let's. I know we were originally going to say let's not put aliens in, but let's put aliens in it. Let's let's push it forward a little bit. Let's mm. rush it. I actually think that's what happened. Oh, I I don't doubt that's what happened at all. Um, but yeah, we've got that. There's a new Predator film. I don't know whether that's this year or next year. It's the so. Predator. Yeah. I was unaware of that. Yeah, no, that's coming. It's Shane Black as well, writing and directing it. Mm. Who was in the original Predator, who did Lethal Weapon and Kiss Kiss Bang Bang and all that. So that's interesting. I'm, I'm quietly confident for that. I think that'll be a return to form for that character too. Um, I enjoyed Predators, but I can't remember anything about it. No, I can't. Um... I left the cinema from watching that. <laughs> the person I'd gone with, I was like, I actually quite enjoyed that. Like, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so we got that um, Spider-Man Homecoming. Spider-Man Homecoming, that's what I'm looking forward to. Being a Spidey fan. Yeah, I am. Um, I like the idea of Keaton being the Vulture. I think that's good. I like the idea that it's Peter Parker at high school as well. I like the fact that they're using Liz Allen. Mm. It's not MJ, it's not... Gwen. Gwen, it's Liz Allen, which if you listen to the Dirt Mags Amazing Spider-Man that he did it was Liz Allen in that as well so it's cool to finally see her coming up on stage I didn't hate the Andrew Garfield ones I just um, no I didn't hate them I, I liked I, him I, I think, didn't like his Peter Parker very much no. and his Spider-Man was a bit of a twat so, <laughs> so apart from the lead character <laughs> I just think they it was that whole thing of they were so focused on universe building yeah that they which got everyone to, is nowadays and I think the big problem with Amazing Spider-Man 2 is that him and Emma Stone had such good chemistry and it ended on such a downer because she dies in a brutal way. And spoilers for Amazing Spider-Man 2, sorry. But she dies in such a brutal way because mm-hmm. it's horrible when you hear her head hit the floor. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. I was really hoping they were going to buck the trend and actually do their own thing and keep Gwen Stacy alive. There was nothing they you did. You know what the fans would among if they had. But, I mean, I'm as guilty as any sort of fanboy. And I mean proper people that read comics, not just people that go online to Mm. bitch and moan just to get people to comment so they can start an online fight. But, yeah, I'm as as guilty as anybody. But sometimes I like making a change. Mm. If you've got a strong reason for the story, and I think that was the problem with that film is that it, it was relenting and it was a mess anyway, but just to end on such a bum-down note. It's quite sad. When you, when you watch that film, and then you see the obvious... The sequel, yeah. When you see the obvious... It's, it's like a bit like... Um, like a, what was that film in the 80s that was a real rip-off of Gremlins with the pink creature thingy? And at the end, he turns around and he says, I'll be back, but they never made a sequel to it. Are you talking about Mac and Me? Mac and Me. They made a sequel to the it. Rip off of E.T., not Gremlins. Was it, was it E.T., was it? And it's a bit like without Spider-Man film. They made such a big thing that, oh, the next one's going to be Sinister Six. There's all these little Easter eggs in here for Sinister Six. And then it's like, no, we're not. Well, they did little things I liked. Like, it opens with him 
doing my problem with these superhero movies is there's not enough of the small stuff it's just straight into story yeah, absolutely yeah it's like the dark knight i liked it opened with him taking down scarecrow at the beginning oh yeah i got a bit confused with that when i first watched it okay but, because it was the real it was the actual scarecrow wasn't it because yeah. it was all the fake batman yeah but it was the actual scarecrow yeah okay um but yeah so so you had that with the rhino who wasn't rhino and then i didn't like the rhino costume it's, it was for Ultimate Spider-Man. It was, it was more take on that. I did. Cause, yeah, because it's robot. Rhino who you love and he's dressed as a robot. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much two things you love mashed together. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. It's like a donut pie. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we're talking about Mac but, and me. Anyway, yeah, Mac and me. <laughs> There's a special we should do. Oh, my God. Sit and watch Mac and me. Can you just... even get that anymore? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure they did release it. It's that's the Paul Rudd thing, isn't it? That whenever he did an interview on, I can't remember which chat show it was, he never showed a clip from his latest film. It was always the clip from Mac and Me of the kid in the wheelchair going down the hill. I can't remember that. Was Paul Rudd in Mac and Me? No. Oh. <laughs> but whenever he goes on to promote a film, rather than showing it, I think with the exception of Ant-Man, yeah. which even then he showed that clip from Mac and Me and then showed a clip from Ant-Man. <laughs> but that's always the clip he shows from his latest film. Uh, okay. Um... But yeah, no, Spider-Man Homecoming, I'm excited. Mm. I like it. I'm hoping that they don't, that they treat it right, they treat it well. Trade looks and good. It'd be nice. My problem with Spider-Man is that you've never sort of been able to get the thing across from the comics because there's a lot of inner monologue. The in, yeah, the inner monologue and the, the and humor never, on it. The, there's never been a good way of doing it. You was the cocky little kid. That's where the Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon really worked for me. Yeah. It was where it cut sort of like the little family guy segues, but again, it wouldn't work in a film. No. But we're still getting an animated Spider-Man movie as well, aren't we? Are we? Yeah. Sony are doing an animated one as well, which I think, if I remember rightly, might focus on Miles Morales. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Isn't so this supposed cool. to be Miles Morales in this one? Isn't it his mate? I'm not sure. I don't think so. I hmm. think there was the rumour that that might have been the case, but I don't think it is. Hmm. I want to know whether they're ever going to do a Spider-Man 2099. That would be an interesting. Hmm. If you're sort of giving... Spider-Man back to Marvel without giving it back to Marvel kind of thing, giving them a bit more creative control on it. You've still got Spider-Man 2099 you could play with. Yeah. Which I think would be an interesting thing. It's something that's not been done before and you've got a bit more freedom to world build with that. Mm, Absolutely. But it's whether they'd ever go that way. But um, we've got Thor Ragnarok. Yeah, which I am looking forward to. As long as the rumours that they're going to take elements of uh, Planet Hulk in it. Because I love Planet Hulk. I think um, Mark Ruffalo said that he's in it more as Hulk than Bruce Banner, mm. which is a and they're going to end up. And I have heard officially they're going to end up on a different planet, which would be cool. I wonder whether they'll tie it into Guardians too. Yeah, because obviously that's this year as well. Which mm. I think that's probably the film I'm most excited for this year. Guardians two. Also, a little bit trepidatious of because Iron Man one was fantastic, and then Iron Man two was a bit of a disappointment. It's still a really enjoyable film, but it just didn't live up to the anticipation. And Avengers 2, Age of Ultron, didn't quite live up to the anticipation from the first one. Mm. So it seems to be when they've got a big, successful, tentpole first part, living up to the second part. But hopefully, I mean, Civil War was good after Winter Soldier, which I know that's second and third parts, but the principles... Or, or, yeah, all the Captain Americas were good, though. Yeah. 
But the first one wasn't the storming success that Iron Man was or Avengers was. No. no or Guardians was. I, so. I, I think Captain America is possibly my favourite out of I think it's Iron possibly Man. the best of the trilogies. Yeah. But, although, you know, Guardians hasn't got there yet, so... Mm. So we shall see. Um, obviously, we've got Star Wars Episode Eight, Yeah. Which still no trailer for. It comes out at the end of the year, and there's still not been a trailer it's for it. March, so. Yeah, but there'd be a teaser by now, normally. Yeah, well, they've only just revealed the name of it. Yeah, which is annoying, because they've called it The Last Jedi. Yeah. Which means I can no longer refer to Return of the Jedi as just Jedi. Oh, that's true. They've taken my abbreviation, mm. the bastards. Um, they should have called it like The Last Starfire or something. They should have. That would have been good. Yeah. Ray's just playing an arcade machine, and then Luke comes down. and Yeah, he's actually like, a computer. This was actually a test. Yeah. That would have been nice. Don't. They might remake Last Starfire. Like they're going to remake the Bloody Matrix, according to today. Yeah, I saw that. They've been on about that for a while. Mm. To be honest, the first Matrix, I hated it at the cinema the first time I watched it, partly because I had two old ladies in front of me that were really invested in it. You went on a threesome? I did. I went on a threesome. Oh, nice. Yes, yes. Uh, no, I went with uh, my girlfriend at the time. And I think because she wasn't enjoying it, I wasn't enjoying it. Yeah. You know when you take somebody to watch a film after you've hyped it up? Mm. And then... And you would always want to apologise, don't you? Yeah. So I think that sort of affected my <coughs> thing. And then I had a girlfriend later on, a different girlfriend, who was really into The Matrix, who sort of reintroduced me to it. You were a stud when you were young, I was a you? stud. I had good... That's because I stopped reading comics for yeah. a brief period in the late 90s, early 2000s. So yeah, come to a comic event... <laughs> It's different now. It's completely <laughs> it's cool different now. I would have been a god <laughs> if I was at school now. With <laughs> I would have been a sexual tyrannosaur. <laughs> well, extinct. Yes. <laughs> I don't think I've ever, could anybody could ever could describe me as a sexual tyrannosaur. <laughs> but um, that was an almost famous reference, by the way. Got you. Um, yeah, and then. The second Matrix film's alright, and then the third one was just shit. I have to admit, that they're all gobbledygook to me. Yeah. But they're certainly not ones I've ever really felt inclined to go back to much. Mm. So a remake of that doesn't really phase me. I don't. I think it's the first one was lightning in a bottle. Because mm. you had the bullet time effects, which was the, sort of the first time that was done. Yeah. Because um, that and Blair Witch were the real two lightning in a bottle moments in 1999, mm. which often replicated, never, well, you know, often copied but never replicated. And I More think Guard- shaky cam, yeah, and, like Guardians was lightning in a bottle, Iron Man was lightning in a bottle, Deadpool, Deadpool, very much mm. so. Which I think you can see the Deadpool influence if you watch Suicide Squad. Well, didn't they recut it? And think- and also Guardians as well. Um, Guardians was a massive influence over Suicide Squad because they recut it to all the music, didn't they? Yeah, that that was the thing that really jarred in Suicide Squad. It didn't work. Was, it was rather than having a score or a soundtrack, it was like just somebody flitting through radio stations, yeah. like like in Sympathy for the Devil when Amanda Waller turns up. Yeah, is that on the nose enough? I mean, it's a bit like um, a um, what's this guy? Um, a, a, Michael Bay kind of thing, wasn't it? You know, when the character was worse than that. To be fair, yeah. 
But it was horrible, like somebody just flicking through radio stations or they mm. had a playlist on their iPod. They were like, I love this song. Oh, but I love this song too. It was like... And it was just a mess. You could see where what they had an original idea and then where it was abandoned. And Yeah, absolutely. But people enjoyed it, so I can't really, you know, fair play to people who enjoyed it. It just mm. didn't do it for me, unfortunately. I think some people are easily pleased. <laughs> Um, but you know I liked Superman Returns so what do I know well I liked some of Superman Returns um, but yeah we got Justice League which yeah. twice bitten for me but yeah. I remain op- optimistic I'm kind of excited for Wonder Woman more because I want Wonder Woman to work I want there to be more successful female centred comic book movies because mm. for one as men not to be horribly sexist, but why wouldn't we want to see women kicking ass over men kicking ass? Is that a fetish? <laughs> if it is, it is. Yeah. But and Wonder Woman was probably the best thing in Batman v Superman. Yeah, but shoehorned she in. Kind of. Yeah, she kind of came out of nowhere. So to but speak. and you know she had that awesome music. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Talking about movie fetishes, or not so. No, when I, I was thinking about this the other day. people. No, I was thinking about this the other day. Things that do it for you for movies, and you kind of when you start looking at all the movies you really like, they kind of um, they they have a connection, like like you know, robot movies and that kind of thing. Mine is mine at the moment is big monster movies. When I think back of all the kind of movies I've liked in the past and stuff, they all have some kind of connection with big monsters. Okay. Or, I was thinking about this. I mean, you know, things like Stay Puft Marshmallow Man and Ghostbusters is always my favourite part. And you've got the Queen, Alien Queen and Aliens. And you've got Ed 209. Yeah. Big monster. You know, I love Cloverfield. A lot of people don't. I absolutely <laughs> love Cloverfield. <laughs> um, the, the gods, the Brian Cranston Godzilla, I say Brian Cranston. I think Brian Cranston's probably in it as much as Godzilla is actually, about eight minutes. Yeah. Um, I think that was the whole thing. I think Brian Cranston would only do it if he got equal screen time with Godzilla. That's what I think it was, absolutely. And he had his name bigger than Godzilla's name on the poster. Yeah. Um, for Billing and everything. But um, I, I think that's. The th- I like the, the whole idea of the big monster thing it's like uh, the, uh, well the big thing in general because they're the same with Star Destroyers as well I got my, yeah. my wallpaper on my that's what you're saying is you like big things I like big things and I cannot lie <laughs> um, no absolutely yeah so I was thinking about that you know just uh, you kind of you have no choice to you know it's almost like like, like your, your, your film tastes are kind of chosen for you yeah yeah I mean. film fetishes everyone I love Dean Cain movies. So. <laughs> I win. I, d- I don't know what the link is. <laughs> well, I did till I found out he was a Trump supporter, and then I died a little inside. <laughs> but uh, I think I'm also slightly going off or losing the enthusiasm for superhero movies. Yeah, I don't know if maybe I'm. You know, the, 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 I think you get fatigued for anything. Kind of. I don't think it's. I don't think it's that the gimmick's gone. I don't think it's that the bubbles burst in. I think it's just that. There's a lot of interesting things you could do. I think that's why the Captain America films work so well, is because each one's a different kind of movie. Yeah, absolutely. Like the first one's a war movie, the second one's like a 70s spy thriller kind of thing. thing. And then the third one's just like an all-out fucking double-page spread comic book kind of. That's a very good point. 
yeah. movie, and I think that's I think that's what Marvel do quite well. I think that's why I still enjoy the Marvel movie so much is because each one has a slightly different flavor too. Mm. Whereas the DC ones, Man of Steel, Batman v Superman, and Suicide Squad, all had that sort of drab kind of meh kind of feel to it. It mm. didn't really. There was nothing. There, there was. There they were, had no individual flavour. They're not fun. They're not. They're not fun at all. Either. Even if for people who like them, I can't imagine that they're ones you'll go back and rewatch over and over and yeah. over again. Well, we had a similar discussion at work. Again, there was a similar discussion, not about fetishes this time, but about <laughs> favourite movies. And it is to me, if every movie is the one that has you can sit down and watch over and over and over again, even in the background, it's like a comfort. Yeah, not, it's know. the movie you put on when you feel yeah low or. Absolutely, it's something that if it was on or you're doing something, be thought. Oh, do you know what? I really fancy watching that. Just having it on in the back of while you're drawing or doing whatever. all the movie that you can come in like forty minutes into it. Yes, and you you're flip, flipping over one night, and it'd be like actually. So that's Footloose. Not on. We're talking about Footloose. We aren't are we? talking about Footloose. I've never seen it. We are talking about. But Footloose. you've seen the stage show. You I monster. did absolutely. But you know, for, for me, it would be well, we all know our Robocop obsession. But it would be, you know, the Rocky movies or even Scarface or something like that. Or you know, <laughs> you're dark man. Yeah. <laughs> as in what Dark is in Alien vs Predator 2 Dark yeah, yeah. Oh, I, see. <laughs> I can't see you man <laughs> um, but yeah there are there are non-superhero movies out as well but... or are there no I don't know I don't know what else I'm excited for this year there, there's that Pixar movie is it Coco or something about guitarists oh yeah there is something John Trader was out today I must admit I've when I went to watch Logan the other day, I don't get as excited about going to the cinema as I used to. Mm. I don't know if it's just my age that it's like the hassle of getting there and then sitting for twenty minutes through shit ever. Yeah, <laughs> and then trailers that are bizarrely like three months out of date. Not that the films haven't come out yet; that they're showing the first trailer when the second trailer dropped not long ago. Yeah, like Guardians of the Galaxy two, when I went to go see. Yeah, or Logan, they showed the the first Alien Covenant one, but the second Alien Covenant trailer's been out since long before Logan came out. Yeah. So why are you making me watch these fucking old trailers? That's I think, yeah, the internet kind of kills trailers. Plus, I think you're getting older, you get a little bit more fed up and a bit more gitty, and miserable and gitty about, like, talking kids and all that as well, and, you know... Yeah, I don't generally get that in the cinema much, to be fair. Oh, I do. Especially in Logan, as it wasn't really for them. Well, meant to see Skull Island. There was a couple of kids behind us who also. Well, it never topped me and the wife going to watch Pride and Prejudice and somebody answering their phone in the front row on speakerphone. Seriously? Yeah. Was it Dom Jolly? It was not Dom Jolly, no. But yeah. Hang um, on, you went to go see Pride and Prejudice? With my wife, yeah. Did you? Yeah. Kissy whipped. <laughs> It was all right. I, I'm not above a uh, romantic comedy or romantic drama if it looks good. Like all kind of films, just because I want a robot in it. If there was a robot in Pride and Prejudice, you'd have been there and you know it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Pride remake of Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> Pride and Protocols. I love it. Yeah. Write that down. <laughs> That's our idea. You can't have it. If Pride and Prejudice and Zombies is a thing, fuck it. We're going to do it with yeah. robots. Absolutely. There's your first comic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it could start BB-8 and R2-D2. Oh, crikey. <laughs> the love that never... Not speak its name. <laughs> um, but yeah, um, 
yeah, Dixon. I think it's more just that I've been burned by so many films recently that I've been excited for. And they've just left me feeling a little bit like I wasted 10 quid on this. You really didn't like the new Fifty Shades, did you? I didn't. No, I didn't care for it at all. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It just wasn't dark enough. No. It said it was Fifty Shades Darker and I could still see what was going on I on know, the absolutely. They should take a leaf at AVP too. Even with the blindfold and the earmuffs on, I could still see and hear too much of that film. <laughs> you couldn't say a safe word though, could you? I couldn't, no. Banana! Brr. Never, never, you know, ball gag yourself. And Just have interest. This will get personal here. Is you all safe with Dean Kane? <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I think that'd be weird, wouldn't it, to just start screaming Dean Kane? I mean, he'd probably like it. <laughs> He's just grateful of the attention. Uh, shut it down. Oh. <laughs> uh. If ever I'm in a position where I can write an autobiography, uh, why does it burn when I pee has gone out? <laughs> in favour of my safe word is Dean Kane. <laughs> my safe word is Dean Kane's really a... The fetishism of Stuart Mulray. <laughs> what was the other one? Spike into a dead man's paw was the idea. Yes. Well. Yeah, there is a story behind that. Yeah, well. there is. <laughs> when, when my friend died, his mum offered me his porn collection. And I just never felt comfortable with the idea of spanking it to a dead man's pornography. Just doesn't feel right. You don't want that lingering in the back of your mind. Well, it is now. <laughs> anyway, Dean Kane. Anyway, Dean Kane. Yeah. Um. But yeah. Um. Anything else you're excited for? Uh, what movie wise? Movie wise, comic wise. Um. Uh, the, the the Marvel event. The Marvel versus the kind of uh, the big monsters thing. Marvel versus monsters looks quite good. Again, it's my big monster fetish. Yeah. Kind of I, I must admit, with the exception of Spider-Man 2099, I don't read any Marvel anymore. Marvel never really did it for me. That's probably why I don't dislike the films when they deviate a lot from the comics. Never really been a big Marvel guy. I was always DC. Which is probably why I judge the DC films so harshly. Mm. It's like a like like a mutated child for you, isn't it? Yeah. Why did you go up and ruin it for me? <laughs> But so Logan, um, Logan, what do we think? We've both well, seen Logan at different times. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's go and we'll put in the Paul Cornell interview sort of here and then we will come back in after the break. After the break. So you'll hear the Paul Cornell interview that we recorded after the evening with in August last year. Um, fair warning, Paul and I were both exhausted after the thing, so... We might meander a little bit in it. Um, or I, might... I'm brilliant in it, by the way. You are brilliant in it because you buggered off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it had been a long day and Paul was all talked out, so his voice is a little bit uh, croaky in that. And I still insisted on asking him questions afterwards He's as well. So. Um, but yeah, we cover things from working in comics to uh, Coronation Street, bizarrely, because he uh, wrote an episode of Coronation Street, so I asked him about that. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, well, it's you'll hear in it, but it's something that's always interested me is writing for a soap opera because mm. obviously you're falling in in the middle one episode in the middle of a story that's both been running and will continue to run after you go. And just from a writing point of view, I've always found that quite interesting. That reminds me of my favourite try. I know you're going to play it in a minute, but my favourite True Believers 
a story was your wife talking to Mike Collins about, um, you know, I mean, Mike Collins was the first artist of a gambit and, you know, he's a massive artist. He does storyboards on Doctor Who and everything like that. And Stuart's wife, who's a massive take that, um, came up and asked, was it... She went, oh, are you the one who drew Gary Barlow? Yeah, and apparently, after all the years of him doing Comic-Cons, that's the only time he's ever been asked that. So he's got to dig out some stuff for next year, I think, was (laughs) the way it was left. Uh, I love that story. (laughs) My wife found an inn. There's an inn for everybody at these events. Whether you like comics or not, there's usually something. (laughs) Oh, I like that. That was was a good little twist, that one. But yeah, so yeah, this is the Paul Cornell interview, um, and then when you come back, we will talk about Logan in spoilerific detail, so if you haven't seen Logan yet, you might want to just get to the end of the Paul Cornell interview, and then, um, yeah, turn it off and come back to us after you've seen Logan, Um, which you probably should see, because it's well worth seeing at the cinema. Um, Yeah, so this is the Paul Cornell bit. So yeah, I'm joined by Paul Cornell, who's... Kindly came down to do an evening with event for us this evening, which... Mistakes were made. Mistakes were made. <laughs> Ignore any tweets for that. <laughs> but, um, no, one of the things that you sort of... Obviously, you're most associated with Doctor Who, I think, to a degree, with yeah, a lot of yeah. the nerd circles. Um, you said a great thing on when the culture showed their Doctor Who thing about everybody describing the period between 89 and that as the wilderness years and you said it wasn't it was like the most creative period it really was and the theme park years because you know it was full of stuff it was full of entertainment and um, I, I think actually it did Doctor Who a lot of good that 15 years um, it, it's when virtually all of the developments certainly in the first four or five years of the new series were invented yeah, um, I, I do think franchises should go into dry dock. They should lie fallow for a while and um, let the fans at them. A similar thing happened with James Bond. Actually, that long gap between Timothy Dalton and Pierce yeah. Brosnan, and during that time, lots of fan creators joined the fan franchise and became professionals. Um, things like the title sequence and uh, letting the fans in in a, 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 a gap of. of um, a fallow, fallow time is uh, is I think a really good idea for any 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 long term long term uh, media thing. Yeah, I mean, I said to you earlier, we sort of I grew up in that period of my formative years. I had no Doctor on telly, and I had no James Bond in the cinema. So it was kind mm-hmm. of I retroactively found my favourites through Timothy. No, my dad never liked Timothy Dalton, so. I sort of discovered his films later on at about 16 in a rebellious phase. <laughs> right. And that's sort of how I rebelled in my house. <laughs> I like Timothy Dalton, Dad. No! <laughs> we, we, can't, we, we can't have you in this. This is a Sean Connery house. <laughs> what are your feelings on Doctor Who? I like Colin Baker. Get out. <laughs> what was your dad's favourite Doctor Who? Uh, he didn't really have one. It sort of passed him by. It was one of the things he watched because we watched it. That's such a modern question, isn't it? Back in, back in the day, no dad would have had a favourite Doctor Who, but these days they all do. But and, um, sort of passing by a second time because my younger sister, so it was sort of all the things she liked, and she never got into Doctor Who, unfortunately. Right. But yeah, it's. Um, 
thing. One thing that I saw on your IMDb page that I'm really curious about, I don't know if it's right because it's IMDb, but that you wrote an episode of Coronation Street. I did, one. Which I, 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 I worked on that show for a year, trailing. Um, uh, and, and I finally got my chance to write an episode, and I was terrible at it. And I bounced down the steps. And um, honestly, my heart wasn't in it. Um, I... I just didn't. I didn't enjoy the show very much. I got to meet some incredible writers during that time. I mean, the um, those big meetings of all the Coronation Street writers—they were like a, a, a financial dealers' room. They were full of people shouting and, and putting forward their own ideas, and it was just an amazing creative stew to watch. And a lot of the great nineteen seventies Coronation Street writers were still around, and. You know, um, it was just a pleasure to be in the same room with them. But um, no, just not my thing. I should, I should not have, I, I should not have kept trying there so long. Um, just a weird, uh, a very naive thing for me to do. It's one of those things that, as a writer, because I. I used to write a lot. I don't so much anymore. I seem to throw my creative efforts into putting on these events but, um, and living vicariously through others. <laughs> but um, one of the things I wrote a couple of films and we were having a conversation when we were shooting one of them. It was a very small micro-budget thing, just me and a few friends. We sort of up in one of those late-night conversations just sitting on the set. I was going, this film takes off and you can get any job you want. What would you like to do? I was like, I'd really like to write Coronation Street for a month. Oh, I'm sorry. No, it's just the idea of working on a soap opera has always fascinated me because you're, you're not creating anything from the ground level. You're jumping in either on the back mm. of somebody's story or in the middle of somebody's story. And it's got to have an ongoing yeah. life after you leave it. It's just always sort of... Well, much much like... Well, much like any Marvel comic, actually. Yeah, I, I, I fared much better with that sort of stuff on Casualty. I'm still very proud of some of my Casualty episodes. Um, but it's the same approach. They would give you two or three pages of, of plot beats that you had to include. And, um, you know, uh, you break down those down into a, the shape of a script. Only in Casualty I could, you know, have lots of explosions and things like that, which helped. Um... I was just young and stupid. I was a, a, a very naive young, young writer. I imagine it's a good experience as a writer, though, to sort of experience all different kinds of writing, good or bad, I suppose. At yeah. least you sort of it's all grist of the mill. You knew you didn't want to go and rush on to EastEnders or anything. Oh no! And, and the, the trouble being, I didn't, I didn't get a proper apprenticeship as a result. I yeah. kind of, I think I was thinking. Um, you know, like a lot of writers, I can take a long apprenticeship at a soap opera, but it just didn't work out that way. And in, in many ways, Casualty was my apprenticeship. Yeah. Um, but, no, I'm, I'm still not entirely comfortable as a TV writer. I've got to say, I don't think I've learnt the craft back to front. I mean, when, when I start to write a comic book, I'm very much aware I've got a huge... Huge. I've got I've got a, a body of experience in my head I can draw upon, and I know I know what I'm doing basically. The same when I venture into prose with television, I always feel a certain uncertainty. Um, I don't think I've ever I have ever properly learned that craft back and forth. And I, I may not get to do that now. I may not have time left in my yeah. life to do so. It's um, T 
TV is one of those things that I've always liked the idea of. As a kid, my, I used to have my fancy list of shows I looked quite like Jim South and Star Trek Next Generation and the X Files, all of which seemed to get cancelled once I'd added them to the list. I would love to have written over for the X Files. But um, it's, it's one of those things, I suppose, I've practiced, like you said, sort of writing in an established world is a good way to form a writing thing, but it's sort of. I've always struggled with getting the voice in my head, which is weird because the voice is there already so in theory you should be able to write as it but I find it incredibly difficult it's, it's, it's the hardest thing I mean the, 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 the basic talent of writing an established property is to get the voice right and um, it's amazing how many how many licensed properties come out where people haven't got the voice yeah. right actually it's, um, it's really, I suppose with writing Father's Day for Chris Druckston it was he wasn't really out, so well, how much of his voice was... His voice was very much there in um, in the script for Rose, which was the first thing we saw before Chris had been cast. Yeah. I actually said at a production meeting before Chris had been cast, uh, reading, this is Christopher Eccleston, isn't it? Because it read to me very like the character in um, The Second Coming. Right, yeah. And uh, they all just looked at each other, kind of like, does he know? <laughs> and... Um, I know Chris Chris who <laughs> it just read like him and uh, um, so that that was a very clear voice Russell's Russell's first script had given the character a very clear voice so that wasn't really a problem yeah I mean you know you grow up writing fan fiction learning the art of copying voices is, is the first skill you learn you know um, and you know a lot of fan fiction writers are still very good at that uh, there. What a ridiculous thing to say. <laughs> Sorry, I'm, I'm almost talked out. I've just been. No, that's it. It's, well, there's a lot of fan fiction writers that aren't very good at it either. <laughs> <laughs> I imagine, but there always were. In, in the case of Twilight fan fiction, that seems to be the way to make a lot of money. So <laughs> no, I, I, I don't mock. Um, no, it's. I, mocking the taste of 14 year old girls, I think, is a. Uh, no, no, I don't. I mean more with the Fifty Shades of Grey aspect of right. it than the. That, that, Spawned out of Twilight fan fiction, and well, we're still doing something right. Um, I suppose, yeah. It's, it's, the, uh, it's awful writing, though. No, I haven't read it. Well, I've read. I had a minute work. It was a game to see how far you could get through a page with that. <laughs> Your work must be fun. Um, yeah, <laughs> it has its moments. <laughs> but, but yeah, um, there's a lovely thing you wrote in the shooting scripts about Father's Day about. Um, about your dad oh yeah I, he, and about Terence Dick he, as well, he, he, dad didn't realise um, he had no idea that uh, Pete Tyler was based on him and, until he read or rather my brother read that to him on Christmas read him that introduction yeah. and um, he was quite stunned by, by all of that and moved I think my dad very rarely showed any signs of, of, of emotion he was of that generation where you didn't yeah um, but the parallels between him and Pete Tyler completely <laughs> passed down by. <laughs> Despite the fact that Pete Tyler's list of jobs is exactly the same as their dad's. I suppose it's that thing, you just don't see it when it's in front of you, yeah. you kind of thing. But, but it's, and obviously you then came back for Series 3 where you did Human Nature and Family of Blood. How, what, what was the process for changing it? Because obviously the book's The Seventh Doctor. Oh, um... For updating it for a tenth doctor, or was it very um, kind of complicated? I mean, um, really, 
because John Smith in the books doesn't get to be a plotter like the Seventh Doctor, it's not that much of a change. Um, the I initially had um, had written it very differently because I thought a lot of this territory has been done by Stephen in uh, The Girl in the Fireplace, and Russell just kept saying, "No, bring it back to the book," and that's where we ended up. Really. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of the book is full of. Uh, sidelong diversions and other things going on there's actually too much the television version does it uh, I think in a much more direct way um, and um, in a more satisfying way in some ways but I understand the book is a world has that texture you get with prose as a, a, a world to lose yourself in and yeah. I appreciate it on that basis um they're just two two different ways of doing it that that suit their their media, I think. Yeah, it's. I suppose very few people adapt their own work to a certain degree for a new medium. It's, it's it's really weird. It's very daunting. Um, you'd have thought it would be easier, but yeah. it's not. It's actually harder, I think. I suppose it's a weird thing as well as the internet's risen. That's given fans more of an instant voice for gone are the days of writing a letter to DC well, Comics yeah, and waiting not, three months for it to appear in not, the back not, not back then we hadn't so. no I suppose it was still it's weird to think that, <laughs> that it was still fairly early in internet it and, was and certainly social media um, oh actually sorry I'm getting my I'm getting my timelines confused here really we had we had internet reaction to the new adventures so um Certainly, the internet was a thing by human nature. And in fact, I remember looking at reviews on the my memory these days. I remember <laughs> look, looking at reviews of it on the um, Gallup, Gallup, what was it called, Gallifrey Base Forum. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, there was a lot of internet reaction to um, to human nature, uh, largely positive. Uh, the um, I think they wanted to see the detail of uh, the Doctor's vengeances on the family at the end, which is so not the point. <laughs> uh, uh, but being a Doctor Who fan, I can say this. And, you know, you you almost want to see every single thing that happened as though it is not a, a story but the live feed from the Doctor Who house. And so a lot of Doctor Who written in a, in a fanish way, uh, kind of like some J&T stuff, is more just like a report of things that happen rather than a story. And uh, I think some people wanted that at the end of human nature, that it wasn't meant to be... They didn't want a um, a series of poetic vignettes. They wanted uh, a, a report of everything that had happened, if you see what I mean. Yeah. Did you see the David Tennant regeneration one where they sort of did the epilogue to the story where he met... Did I see it? Well, I've seen I mean, all, I've seen seen it, all existing Doctor Who. Right? One, one doesn't like to assume. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was lovely. I thought it was really nice to revisit it. Especially since uh, exactly the same thing happens in the books, where um, he revisits her um, during um, uh, Happy Endings. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, th- I thought that was a lovely touch. It's- the, uh, I think the David Tennant regeneration was the first one that really sort of... I mean, it was very much played to... A greatest hits to tell on the heart strings. So by the time he says, "I don't want to go," you're kind of, "I don't want you to go either." Oh, it's anything that's got Bernard Cribbins in it will uh, but, will be uh, emotionally uh, meaningful. But it's um, yeah, no, I thought it was a lovely. I, I mean, I really love Human Nature and Family and Blood as well. I thought they were beautifully written, particularly when he goes back to see her as the Doctor. 
mm. the end of the story, which I think is a lot in Jessica Hines' performance as well yeah. as the writing is. The perfect balance of writing and actor, I think. Well, it's, it's again a reversal from the book. In, in the book, the Doctor says he could not be that person, and on television he says he could, which I think is an interesting difference. Yeah. And it's partly to do with the audiences being addressed. Um, like the transfer from the white poppy to the red. Simply, how long would it take to explain white poppies? And, you know, the red poppy is a meaning that will convey straight to the audience, whereas the white poppy is not. Yeah. Um, but uh, a, lot, a lot of my more radical friend, friends blamed me for for losing that difference, but no, suck it up. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's not an ethical difference, it's just about production. I think it's that weird thing, you build something up that you focus on in the book. It's like with, I can't remember which Harry Potter book it is now, but when they did the film, I was really looking forward to seeing the one particular which it was a tiny bit of um, the giant wolf dog thing walking along with the cat. Like, they were having a conversation, Harry sees him out of the window at night. But I was right. like, I can't wait to see that on film. I was never in it. I was gutted. It kind of put me off the film for a while. <laughs> but um, yeah, so ah, I kind of I, I forget so much about this stuff these days. It's um, oh, I, I just remember my own anecdotes really, <laughs> which, as I suppose, just about all any of us can say about our memories in general. But. Um, well, I, I think I was there. Well, it was like earlier when uh, Superman was brought up and it flooded back everything with working with DC Comics. Ah, and yes. Which well, I'm not quite Cedar yet. But it's, um, <laughs> no, but it's just the way everything sort of floods back yes. at once kind of thing. So, which, I mean... The Recherche de la Tom Perdue or whatever. The, the, um, uh, I just, you know, you get me talking about certain things and I don't stop. <laughs> I mean, DC Comics was one of those things that, as a child, was a million miles away. It's a whole different world. I always wanted to write a letter into the letters page. I used to love... I think it was Mike Harlan used to do the replies. And yeah. The letters page, he was editor at the time. I always used to want to write a letter in, but I had no idea where you post it. Because <laughs> it's like, do I just put it in a post box addressed to New York? It probably would have gotten them. It probably would have, but it's, just, it's a completely different world now. You just... I had being a, it over in an email <laughs> I, I had a letter in um, uh, Doom Patrol while um, Grant Morrison was writing it um, and um, of course I, I wrote a series of letters to Doctor Who magazine I was uh, I was quite a notorious correspondent <laughs> of theirs they finally printed one they were like little um, little personal essays um, kind of like half a diary half making some kind of vanish point <laughs> this is when my enthusiasm for the show was at an all time high during the uh, early days and, and the, the magazine just was the most amazing thing to receive through my letterbox every four weeks and uh, I just sort of wrote them love letters in return and um, I was so delighted that they finally printed that <laughs> I was the same with Empire Magazine. I used to write to them pretty much once a month and never got anything. Then when my second son was born, we couldn't settle on a name. I'd take an Empire with me into the maternity suite to sit and read in the quiet bits. Naively 
I'm not forgetting that, you know, you there are names quite a bit. You didn't call him Empire, did you? We didn't, know. we called him Daniel, because Daniel Craig was on the front oh, of the right. screen. that little pug little face when he came out, oh. like he really didn't want to be there, and he was like, he's oh. a Daniel. Wonderful. So I, wrote, I just dropped Empire a Facebook message just saying, just that, you know... <laughs> You helped us in naming the child, and it became their star letter. And oh. You won a hundred pound voucher for Virgins. That's <laughs> not happy or whatever. Awesome. Which was very cool. But um, I was right. Another letter. I talked to you about. He's very much like how you were describing your son. With he'll sit and watch. There's a thing on YouTube called Hobby Kids. Oh. It's basically fan videos made with toys. Right. And he sits and watches those, but then he wants the toy scene so that he can sit and make his own ones. Oh. Yeah. But it's fascinating watching him watch and then go and create his own mm. things. Like he's got loads of Thomas the Tank Engine trains. Like Tom, the small blind bag pocket ones you can buy. Tom has memorised just about every Thunderbirds A Go episode. And so he will suddenly come out with a chunk of dialogue. Like the other day I came down um, to breakfast and he looked up and said, I remember you. <laughs> Um, that was Jack's obsession for a while it sort of died off in favour of Doctor Who at the moment right. he watched Thunderbirds I Go and then wanted to go back and watch the old puppet stuff so oh. he did that and then my um, brother-in-law still had his Tracy Island so they got that into play and then we had to buy him his own Tracy Island oh. oh yeah but I think it's such a good show it's so much better than it could have been um, it is I was a bit sort of dubious about it when it first sort of came on I was like it's a bit like a computer cutscene but then it really sort of developed into its own thing and, and it does nice little nods back to the 60s series it, it keeps so much of the format that any sensible person would would, would yeah because honestly Lady Penelope and Parker have nothing to do with the aim of the show <laughs> it's just nice to have them around but they, they they've got them and they've got them really nicely yeah I think they use them quite well in that yeah. as well it was a very good um, Lady Penelope centric episode I can't actually remember what it was now. She was trying to steal something from the vault. That would be the the Hexpert. Yeah. Where Parker is called upon to open a vault. That's right, yeah. Um, Thanks to having seen it 18 times (laughs) (laughs) with Tom. Uh, I like that with Peppa Pig. Oh, he likes Peppa Pig as well. We've we've managed to sort of sway him off that into Hey Dougie, which I don't know if you've seen Hey Dougie yet, but it's the most brilliantly written CBB series. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we're, we're... I'm actually a huge fan of CBeebies. I think it's amazing. Uh, yeah, no, I really like it. I um, say Hey Dougie's well worth looking at. There's a lot more in it for adults without going over kids' heads. It's yeah. got that perfect balance. I like that a lot. Um, I really like what, it's not CBeebies, but it's CBBC, what they've done with the new Danger Mouse as well. I still haven't seen that. Which I was very dubious about, but I actually yeah. found I really enjoyed it. It's sort of done it, recognising the original, and then, but we're our thing. Wonderful. It's, it's wonderfully silly, but... I, I like the fact in the new Thunderbirds that just for style's sake they'll do things like still use wrong size water. Yeah. It's still real water. And um, and that's obviously they can do CGI water. It's just that it's part of the part of the aesthetic. I think they've honoured the feel of the puppets without yeah. moving too far away from it. I think that was the problem with when they did the live action film. Oh, I, I haven't seen it. The, the, what, what people said about it was it's, it's one I've caught bits of because Jack wanted to watch it obviously on his mm. Thunderbirds binge which I think he quite liked it because it was sort of kids his age he could relate to it but it's it's a shame it didn't work because Jonathan Frakes I thought was a very good choice as director mm. for it based on what he'd done on Star Trek The Next Generation but it just didn't gel I don't think I think they Americanised it a little bit too much I think, I think the, um, the notion of um, of taking taking out the characters that we know and 
and having kids rescue them, it's sort of like, you know, that's not what we came to this it's, for, you know. It's the big problem with, like, the Michael Bay Transformers films. I paid to see Transformers, not Shia LaBeouf, and a couple of Transformers. <laughs> <laughs> You're sort of not getting what you paid for with it. But, but I think things... I, mean, I like how they're bringing things back and updating them, putting in stronger female characters as mm-hmm. well. I, I think it's a good time for, for old properties. And, and, you know, I mean, Doctor Who again led the way in all that. The... Um, because, you know, Star Trek's reboots before that were continuations in different in different forms. The next gen is a very different beast than the original Star Trek, and deliberately so. And Doctor Who was the first time somebody said, let's keep the continuity going, yes, but let's also... Um, let's keep an awful lot of the detail of the original show going, too. Um, it's kind of I mean that's still the Doctor it's not uh, another Time Lord in a different sort of TARDIS in an updated universe you know it's um, rather I mean you know like um, for Next Generation that's a different Enterprise it looks different these are different characters and um it's kind of like if they ditched the police box for something different. You know? Yeah. And, and Doctor Who, I think, started a whole a whole movement towards reboots that actually honour the honour the central the central tenets of the original show in a kind of funkier way. Yeah. Um, but I mean, goodness, it's changed so much. I, I think it's made a major contribution. Russell has certainly made a major contribution towards gay rights in this country. Yeah. Um, both through his other shows and through normalising these things in, in Doctor Who. It's, it's amazing just what representation at primetime will do. Um, Captain Jack really made a difference, I think. Yeah, that's one of Jack's favourite characters. Just um, my son Jack, just because he's called Jack. Right, so. yeah. <laughs> awesome. So he's sort of gone from that way and it's uh, every time John Barrowman's on telly <laughs> oh yeah I was, I was on a panel with him at San Diego and um, he was very very generous he uh, made sure the audience you know gave us equal time and um, and he, he really seems to love the comic he's written the Torchwood comic with, yeah. his, with his sister I mean he's uh, he's very invested in it and um, and the way those two uh, John's American when he's talking to the audience and when he's talking to his sister they slip into this Scottish brogue with each other yeah, which is charming saw him on Lorraine because we were just about to do the school run and yeah. as Jack was walking by I was like Captain Jack's on telly the tape it it's fine you can go to school <laughs> and watch it after it's like why is he talking with a funny accent because obviously he's only ever heard him as an American yeah. it's like well think he's a bit Scottish and I think because he's with because he was was he born in Scotland or yeah. lived in Scotland yeah born in Scotland and um, uh, was on on children's telly in Britain yeah, yeah. and I, I tried to explain that I think also because he was with Lorraine who was Scottish as well it sort of yeah. brings that accent to the forefront again <laughs> but um, no I was very impressed with him actually I thought he was um, Titan and decided to launch all of our different comics with 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 John's talk to it at the same time, and the rest of us were kind of going, "Oh, we'll only get a, a sentence in each ways." <laughs> but he was wonderfully generous, and it was a pleasure to be on, on the panel with him. No, I've heard a lot of people say a lot of very nice things about John Barrowman, which is nice because you always sort of 
worry that you know the bigger the name, especially with the success he's found post as well with Arrow and everything. Of course, he gave us an audience that was five times the size of what we were expecting. But uh, and I really liked his the the I really like his Torchwood comic. I think it's got um, he's become a sort of curator of the fiction of Torchwood, which is a lovely thing to see. Yeah, I must admit I've not read his Torchwood comic. I sort of I enjoyed the first couple of series of of Torchwood, and I didn't overly like the event series they did partly because it involved children I've got a big problem with bad things happening to children in TV it's just something I don't overly enjoy Miracle Day I know exactly what Miracle Day and Children of Earth was I know exactly what you mean about being um, as a parent you get very tuned in to threats to children yeah and um, my goodness American drama about the family has just made so much more sense to me now I'm a parent. <laughs> um, there's something that biologically changes in you and you get very vulnerable about stories about threats to children. Um, yes. It's, that's like I, um, I wrote a piece about Footloose for a website I did and it's like as a teenager I related with Kevin Bacon's character more as an adult I found and a parent I found myself swaying more towards John <laughs> while still siding with the kids but it's like I could understand yeah. the parents point of view as well absolutely and it's um, but one thing you mentioned up there actually that I wanted to talk to you about was Edge of Darkness oh yeah yes. you've written stuff about Edge of Darkness I assume that's the Bob Peck Edge of Darkness TV yes. series so, yeah um, um, yeah um, I really loved it and um it was really important to me uh, as a as a student, and so I wrote about it um, for my um, thesis at the time, and uh, went to interview everybody involved, talked to Troy Kennedy Martin and to um, Bob Peck. Um, Peck was really interesting, very intense. I, I talked to him at his kitchen table, um, and very sweet man. Kennedy Martin was just fascinating talking about the mythological roots of it I mean because it's a telefantasy show um, that um, doesn't wear that on its sleeve, it actually hides it Um, but the way that Emma's ghost um, knows things that uh, uh, Craven does not know and tells him things he does not know um well, that's impossible if she's a memory of grief. And um, uh, the um, also the stuff about the Virgin Spring, um, all the mythological stuff that uh, Jedberg comes out with. Um, uh, there's all sorts of stuff about the Green Man in there, about um, Craven's uh, arboreal f- fetish, um, and how originally it ended with him turning into a tree I think they filmed it that um, he vanishes from the hillside and we see a tree standing there instead and probably rightly um, Martin Campbell um, decided that it would actually get laughs Um, and which is always the risk when you throw archetypal material in the face of the audience I think it might have done Um, but uh, no um I was I'm very I was delighted by Campbell because a lot of what I was writing not, uh, by um, Troy Kennedy Martin because a lot of what I was writing about was the the um, fantastical underpinnings yeah. so, but, and, and the way that Kennedy Martin allows the fantastic to lead him through the narrative like um, 
he, he just sort of is following something unconscious there and he just disrupts the normal shape of a police procedural in a yeah. tremendous way the um the fact that one really tense episode, a lot of it is in a meeting. Yeah. It's a, the public meeting, which takes up half the episode. And it just takes such daring to cut from that to um, Jed Bogan Craven under, underground and for the two things to be relevant to each other. And, and the treatment of, of radiation, the fact that this was the thing that we were all afraid of so much at the time. And uh, getting out bricks of uranium and slamming them together, and showing the lead-lined coffins and the um, the effects of radiation sickness. Um, Michael Gray being canny as always, the way that he stripped the schedules to yeah. repeat the first episode almost immediately because he thought it was so important, um, doing so important in this immensely populist um, thriller way honestly there's nothing like it and uh, it's um, you know it's still quite extraordinary today yeah it's one of those series I adore I caught all part of an episode late at night on one of the satellite channels years ago and then went straight out the next day and bought it on DVD mm. which was amazing I found it on DVD to start <laughs> with but um that and then I rewatched it again prior to the Mel Gibson film coming out, which was possibly a mistake with then going in to watch the Mel Gibson film. But I think I think Martin Campbell always wanted it to be a much more straightforward yeah. spy film, and um, the tension between what he wanted and what Kennedy Martin wanted, I think, actually really works in favour of, yeah. of the production. It makes an interesting dichotomy at the heart of it. Um, I, th- I think the film works fine. It's just it's such a good TV series that it's based mm. on. It's what sort of lets down. You can't separate it from the two if you're a fan of. And also, it's too late. It's um, it's about a very specific yeah. era in time, and um, it's also very British. Um, the um, and also it really. Kennedy Martin really understands the establishment the way that um, you know it's not it, as I was saying at tonight's get together about the BBC it's not monolithic that you can absolutely get on the um, the speakers list for a nuclear yeah. conference in <laughs> in Scotland while being hunted by the police you know it's um, but yeah but but no, I mean, um, thank you for coming down tonight and thank you for recording this. Well, and, thank um, you. I'm, 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 I was delighted to, to have an audience tonight. It's um, very flattering and um, it was very kind of you to, to have me along. No, no, it was good. I mean, very kind, generous of you to use your time to come down and do it. Um, anything you'd like to plug before we wrap it up? Uh, podcast well, or? the, um, the, the uh, Third Doctor comic from Titan is out as we speak. And uh, my um, uh, new one-off um, dark fantasy novel, Chalk, is out early next year. And the second Litchford book, um, The Lost Child of Litchford, is out at the end of November. Fantastic. And your podcast as well? Oh, The Cornell Collective. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, take it. That's on iTunes and everything oh, where yes, people would normally find it. Absolutely. So. So fantastic, thank you for that, and um, yeah, thank you for coming down for tonight as well. Thank you. 
And we're back. That, <laughs> that was a fantastic interview, Stuart. <laughs> I really liked the bit when he said that thing. Thanks, mate. Oh, fab. Which thing? Uh, I can't remember. Go into specific details <laughs> about the thing you loved. Coronation Street. <laughs> ah. <laughs> Better to lead on that one. Yeah. Um, anyway, Logan. Yes, so, Logan. So we both saw it, but not at the same time. No. Because we're not allowed to go to the cinema together anymore. No. There was a thing. Yeah. We have an agreement <laughs> with Marvel and Um Yeah. Because uh, when we went to see Pride and Prejudice, wasn't it? It was, yeah. <laughs> Prick, you answered your phone on speaker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you saw it first. I, well, I went to see it on the, sun, on the, 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 yeah, the Sunday. On the Sunday. No, I didn't. I wanted to go see it before. On the day it came out. And I loved it. Um, it, it did it for me. It didn't feel like a Marvel movie. It felt more like a Mad Max movie. Well, to I me. don't think we can call it a Marvel movie because it's not Marvel. Marvel. Okay. 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 I'll rephrase that. So, it didn't seem X-Men like a movie? comic book movie. That's fair. I mean, me. I went into it about a week or so after it had come out, so I had already by that point had everybody telling me it was the best comic book movie since The Dark Knight. It was the best X-Men film out of the lot. It was the best comic book movie they'd ever seen. Um, so I'd already, despite my best efforts to avoid it, had had it unintentionally built up beyond possible any expectation I could have had. So I was sort of built for it to fail a little bit. Mm-hmm. And while I liked it, I thought it was a really, really, really good, really well-made film. I didn't enjoy it. Okay, when you say you didn't enjoy it, do you mean like you can't really enjoy Shawshank? I don't know, I kind of didn't enjoy it. Yeah, but Shawshank's got a lot of rewatchable. I think I need to watch it again. Shawshank, yes, because you know, right. why is he called Red? Yeah. He's not Irish. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's going to be only racist. I'm not going to. <laughs> Sorry. <clears throat> oh dear. Yeah. No. Um, I need to watch Logan again. I think because I go into X Men films with a lot of carrying a lot of baggage already mm-hmm. because the X-Men films are a fucking mess Yeah, because I get that you want to go in and make your own stamp on each film but if you're part of a series you need to respect the timeline and they sort of had this timeline between X-Men and Last Stand then they did was it X-Men Origins Wolverine it was yeah the Wolverine. Then they originally X-Men were Origins gonna... Wolverine, which sort of messed it around. There was going to be a Magneto one, wasn't it? Yes, it was going to be X Men into... Origins was going to be a series, but that then became First Class. Yeah, which I liked as sort of like a soft in-house reboot. So I sort of let things slide, like you know the inconsistencies in the backstory between Magneto and Professor X. Hmm. I was willing to let that slide, but then. And even down to them having Hugh Jackman in it as Wolverine, if they did decide to do that as a soft reboot, hmm. you could just say that that was just a mutant. wasn't necessarily Wolverine. They could bring in a different Wolverine if they so wished further down the line. But then it did that thing where it time-jumped ten years forward, which meant that there was a lot of shit that must have happened in between because we see all the X-Men between films that were killed. Yeah, Absolutely. So it's sort of like you invest in these characters and then they're not properly developed beyond that movie, uh, which is a big problem I've got with the X-Men films anyway, even the good ones, is yeah. that if they don't know what to do with an X-Man, they just kill him. So Darwin in X in uh, First Class, it's like, we've got Darwin, we don't know what to do with him. He dies now. Or the first three X-Men films, Professor X is so powerful 
that all right they they kill him in the third one but oh, they incapacitate him in the first two I was always confused about the ending of that well they kill him and then his mind transfers into his half brother was supposed to be the thing at the end credit post end credit stick. But whenever people look at it, they still see Patrick I, Stewart. Yeah, I I don't know. It was never fully explained. But anyway, they sort of retconned it all with Days of Future Past, where they could fix the things and erase the things they didn't like, which meant they erased X Men One and Two. They still happened, but slightly differently. It was like extra sketch. So yeah, so you sort of had again another in continuity reboot. Mm. Which worked, and I was really excited because I was like, "That's great! We can now get the original X Men films." So Jackman, James Marsden, Famke Janssen, all that. Get all those guys back, and we can have a t- that timeline running off, and we can have the first class timeline as an ongoing thing as well. And they can maybe alternate movies or whatever. Mm. But the first thing they do after that is Apocalypse. I've not seen that yet. Which dicks the timeline up again, anyway. Yeah. Which makes everything they did in. And yeah, so I had a problem with it. And the X-Men, the Wolverine films seem to be in their own timeline. Then Logan seems to be in a completely different timeline to all of them. Yeah. Um, But I think think Logan worked nicely as a standalone movie. I thought it was a nice send-off for those two characters, Charles and Wolverine. Um. I think that was a nice send-off for those actors with it both near the phone. I think they both gave Oscar-worthy performances as well. I thought... I'll, I'll tell you what, I thought... It, they'll never get any award recognition, I can't imagine. But I thought Patrick Stewart was incredible. Patrick Stewart was incredible. Absolutely just phenomenal. He looked and old. You know what I mean? He looked... I, I think he was the comedy highlight of the film as well. Yeah, he was, yeah. That whole thing where it's like, you know, take your pills, show me. <laughs> <laughs> and Steve Merchant was great as well as... Um, yeah, it took Caliban. me a little... You know, it, it did take me a couple of minutes to kind of get that, to kind of... What, that it was him or to separate it from... To separate the, it from the old monster. Yeah. You know? Um, it was... Yeah. I'm not sure I saw the point of Caliban. He didn't really well, have an was, off, did he? He was, didn't really have a... He was there to be a plot device, wasn't he? Yeah, <laughs> but, it, but it wasn't a massive... It seemed to be the kind of plot device that quite a few of the mutants could have... Well, I think, yeah, I think he was there so that they had a justifiable reason for why they were always constantly on Wolverine's tail, why they were able to track them. Mm, okay. Um, but I thought Steve Merchant was good again. I think it was a case of we don't really know what to do with him beyond this point, so you'll mm. sort of flit in and out until his inevitable death. Um, I thought the little girl was great, X-23. She was awesome. She was great. I thought that whole thing was great. Um, I liked the way they incorporated. Admittedly, they're not actual issues of the comic. They were made especially for the film, but I liked how they incorporated that into it. Yeah, the X Men have become a thing. I thought the whole um, the, the Wolverine, as I said to you, but it's my favourite joke. The whole um, the Wolverine clone X twenty four reminded me of the David Hasselhoff episode Night Rider, where <laughs> there's the bad the bad Michael Knight with a moustache. You should have just had a moustache. <laughs> Hello, Logan. <laughs> um, I don't know, but yeah, I liked it. There were things... Um, I get why they didn't bother putting any other X-Men in, because it wasn't about that. Well, they were all dead, weren't they? It was only those... Well, they weren't. It was only They say that only seven died. Yeah. Only seven X-Men were killed, and they don't tell you which ones, I think, to leave that open. Um, 
And I like the theory that the ones that are guiding the kids over the border into Canada is Alpha Flight, which was like the Canadian... Was it Alpha Flight with the Canadian X-Men? They were like the Lost Boys from Mad Max. <laughs> Never Mad Max reference. Um, yeah. So I like that. I part of me did think it was going to end with sort of them being met at the border, and it was going to be like Gene or Cyclops or somebody like that. Yeah. They couldn't be around Charles anymore, so they'd cross the border to be a safe haven for the mutants. Or that it was going to be like um, in the comics, Magneto's got an island mm. where mutants live. Like his brotherhood of evil mutants all of them. I wondered whether it was going to be something like that whether that would be where Magneto comes into it or something I, I like the kind of also I, I kind of like the whole third wall thing where they brought the comic books into it so the comic books actually exist in the, yeah, in the, I yeah quite that's like what I like that. yeah. Clever. yeah that's the ones that were specially made for the film they weren't actual issues yeah um, but they, they looked vintage they did um, no I liked that I liked I would like to see an X-Men film that focuses on more of the X-Men. <laughs> That's novel, yeah. Well, to be fair, but then most of them are focused on either Charles, or Magneto, or Wolverine. Yeah. There's been very little that actually... I mean, when you think about Cyclops, he's had very little actual character development over the course of the films he's been in. Yeah. I'd quite like to see... I'd quite like this to be the end of that franchise as it is, and for them to just go in and do a reboot. Well, what about Legion? Is thus X-Men, isn't it? It is, but I think it's its own universe, and yeah. Deadpool exists in its own universe as well. Yeah, It's sort of like a third universe that exists between the two, our world and that world. Mm. I, Like I say, I'd just quite like to see them take this opportunity to step away, just get rid of the cast completely, because this whole time hop in ten years forward, so Apocalypse was in the eighties and that. Yet McAvoy hasn't aged at all. None of them really look any different to how they did in the sixties, apart from different haircuts and that. Mm. There's no sort of. Age. And I've always thought Patrick Stewart was perfect for Professor Xavier. I've always thought Professor Xavier needs to be an older man. Mm. Um, nothing against McAvoy. I thought he was really good in it, but I think they've done that now. I think they should leave that. X Men timeline franchise as it is, and just reboot it, just recast, start again. Don't put Wolverine in it. I think you need to wait at least one or two movies before you introduce new Wolverine. Mm. Um, you can't really include X twenty three because of the timeline, so you couldn't mm. do the sequel to Apocalypse with a Wolverine in it that's X twenty three because your timeline's a mess. Mm. Um. But not that that's ever stopped them before. <laughs> Plus, the Hugh Jackman Wolverine should exist in that timeline still, really. So they're sort of they've painted themselves into a corner a little bit, and they're on about doing the Dark Phoenix saga again, which they've just not earned. Yeah, absolutely. It's way too soon in the Jean Grey thing to have a res- a school age Dark Phoenix. It doesn't work, I don't think. Mm. Um. Like I said, I'd quite like to see the X-Men cartoon sort of up on screen a bit more. There's a lot of potential that they've never really tapped into, I think. think. When you look back at X-Men and X-Men 2, they sort of never really built on that momentum, I didn't feel. They sort of... No idea. Never really went anywhere. They they copped it before. (coughs) Mm. 
you know, all for a coat and no knickers kind of thing. <laughs> but um, I don't know. But yeah, anyway, we've gone off track from Logan a little bit. Um, stuff you liked. I liked the. I, I liked. I liked the film. <laughs> uh, I liked the whole atmosphere of it. I liked the kind of rundownness of it. The kind of and I. I, I kind of liked. I, I liked how he he was. I liked how he was kind of run down and he was kind of... He was old. I liked the thing where he was getting the shit beaten out of him by non-mutants at the beginning until yeah. he got his berserker rage on. Yeah, absolutely. And I was really kind of... I don't know, there was some weird, malicious, sadistic side of me that was kind of like, yeah, cut the fuckers to bits. I got to like how... Did you notice how he was trying to pull his claw out? Yeah, the third one didn't come out the whole way. he was way. trying to pull it. And yeah, I quite like that. That was quite cool. Um, um, I, I, I'm not sure... I, I found the whole Xavier thing with the talent, I thought that was kind of sad and a bit kind of harrowing, which is kind of what you're supposed to I think. I did, of. but I think they did it really well. So I like the bit where he takes him and puts him on the toilet. Yeah. Which is something I never thought I'd see in a comic book. Professor <laughs> Xavier, yeah. You don't get that in your Batman v Superman. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it was just totally done well as well. Like I say, the banter between Stuart and... And um, Jackman on that was superb. Yeah, they were a fantastic double act, and it worked really well to the point where you didn't really it it stopped being a sort of X related film. Mm. It was very much it was more like a western mm. rather than a comic book movie. Did you didn't say X related or X rated. X related. Okay, it was also X rated. <laughs> that was nice. That was R rated. <laughs> but yeah, um, like I say, they were. I probably would have shaved 20 minutes out of it, but mm. I don't know where I would have cut it. Mm. Initially, I was like the whole thing with Eric LaSalle with the family. I, kind of, I really like that bit, though. It really but then it really it it showed Logan what he could have had. Yeah. And I think that was the whole point of that. So it did have a context within it. Mm. Like I say, I, there's somewhere, I would have quite happily done away with the scenes with the bad guys and just not known what was going on on that side of it until... Yeah, I, I would have liked to have found it out as Logan found it out. Yeah. Rather than the scene in the casino was great, mm. where Charles is having the fit. And oh you yeah. Got Logan Absolutely. slowly clawing his way up, and you just got all these guys that they can see him coming, but they can't move. <laughs> so they're just all slowly getting stabbed in the face or the eye or the. I, I didn't like. I didn't like um, the, the Logan clone, um, Hogan. They call him. Okay. X is in X twenty four. I didn't like that. It was it's just a <laughs> bit. Call you Hogan. <laughs> I thought it was all right. I, it didn't bother me. It Bogus really... Hogan. Bogus Logan. That Bogan. whole bit where he kills Xavier or stabs Xavier mm. really came from nowhere. Cause that was a beautiful scene. No, it really and, did. And I don't mind admitting that I was kind of oh fuck. <laughs> it's like I knew going into it that there was a 99.9% chance that Xavier was going to die mm. and Jackman, um, Wolverine was going to die. Mm. I knew that going into it. Mm. I was prepared for it, but I just wasn't quite prepared for just that moment. It did come out, out of the blue. It's because he's so vulnerable as well yeah. in that scene, I think. Because it's not just that it's kind of like, he's kind of like, you know, I don't want to take my fucking pills. Mm. It's like a real moment of vulnerability where he talks about the Westchester incident. Yeah, and then get stabbed in the chest for it. Mm. And I was in, like, in the Westchester. I was like, th- I thought it was a dream sequence. Yeah, no, I, I think I did as well because it's because straight away 
you think you, you you're not introduced to Bogus Hog- Logan, Bogan. Yeah. Um, so you actually do think it is Logan doing it straight away. Do you know what I mean? Do you think X twenty four should have been Sabretooth mm-hmm. rather than a Logan clone? Yeah, I don't think it should have been a or a Sabretooth clone, a copy paste Logan clone. It should have been a bit. You know, yeah, it should have had a little bit of Sabretooth about it, maybe. Because there's still that kind of unfinished business with Sabretooth, because you've got the Air Schreiber one from X-Men Origins Wolverine, mm. which kind of didn't really go anywhere, because it ends up with the two of them fighting Deadpool, mm. for want of a better term, or Weapon X, or whatever he was called. I know, when we went to go see it, Craig turned around afterwards and said he was expecting it to be a Mega Red or something. yeah. But I was expecting Sabretooth to be in there somewhere. I thought they'd bring back Liev Schreiber rather than the Tyler Main one from the first X-Men film. Yeah. But but no, it didn't bother me, the clone. I thought it worked quite well. It gave that scene a real impact as well. Because it was so well done. Because it sort of looks like he's checking on the girl when Charles tells him to let her sleep. Yeah. Rather than that he's about to grab her, which was clearly what the intention was. I thought Rich D. Grant was good as the villain as well. He was very good. Very underplayed. And mm. I liked the whole thing where he's talking about his dad. Well, Logan's like, he's the one who did this to me. Like, yes, he is. He's like, I'm pretty sure I killed him. Like, I believe that's the case. <laughs> his delivery of lines is superb. And he's sort of really cold and calculating, mm. but kind of charming with it, which I think is the best thing about a villain. Mm. I think a villain like that, where you're like, you are fucking scum. You mm. killed, like, you know, you put those children to sleep. You want to kill the rest. But at the same time, you're kind of charming. <laughs> I also enjoy spending time with him where he talks to um, Caliban as well when he's got him in the cage I love that absolutely and the end of Caliban's fantastic yeah but it left a lot of open threads mm. for a final film like they've clearly got there's clearly more people working within it there's still the stuff that they're putting in the food supply the corn syrup that sort of thing that's what's due the mutant gene Oh, no yeah. humans were born mm. so that's still out there um, there was a theory I think they put it forward on the Empire podcast that um, was that the reason that Logan's healing factor was failing because obviously he'd been eating that yeah, food as absolutely. well was that the reason that Charles was losing his mind Yeah, and all that sort of thing and you know would that affect existing mutants as well as subduing the gene for new mm. mutants but but yeah I think it was a fitting send off I think it was nice like I say I would have lost 20 minutes from it somewhere mm. but like I say I don't know where maybe in some of the setup, potentially but then you kind of needed that to see where Logan was in that world mm. um, but yeah um like I say, where they go next, I'm really not sure. What, whatever, do we know where the film's going? Do we know what the? Isn't there, there's another X Men movie? Um, well, you're supposed to have obviously you've got Deadpool two, which did you have the scene before the film? I did like that. Yes, I did like that. The uh, superhero watch, or whatever it was called. 
And I love the thing on the phone box where it's got Nathan Summers is coming. Yeah. <laughs> or is coming soon, isn't it? Yeah. The teasing cable on that. Yeah. Um, which um, I thought was nice. So you got that. They're meant to be doing another version of the Dark Phoenix with the McAvoy yep. timeline kind of thing, which I'm kind of done with that timeline, to be honest. Um, they're on about doing New Mutants. So I did think if that was the case that they were going over the Canadian border that was setting up Alpha Flight, mm. you could continue the story from Logan as a separate entity with X-23 and all that. And that could be your in for doing an Alpha Flight movie. But it's whether anybody would, outside of the comics would have any clue what Alpha Flight is. Mm. It's not a great sounding name for a movie. <laughs> You'd have to brand it. But yeah, I think... Is it X Force they're potentially looking at doing as well? Mm. So, but then you've got Legion on TV, which isn't connected. I think at the moment, I think the title is Gifted, which is going to be another X Men series. Okay, nothing to do with Legion. No. So, it's sort of a mess. <laughs> then, of course, you've got the Inhumans, which has got absolutely nothing at all to do with mutants. Well, no, that's so Marvel could use exactly. Yeah quote-unquote mutants on TV without having to pay because Fox owns the term mutants. Yeah. So, um... Yeah, it's... Yeah. Interesting times. I, like I say, I'd quite like to see them just step away. Not rush into another film. Step away and just think about what they want to do next. <laughs> yeah, just think away what you think about what you've done. Think about what you're doing. Just go sit on the step yeah. and think about what you've done. But, but you know, you know what I mean. It's particularly coming off such an emotionally impactful film as that mm. to then just sort of rush into any old fluff. You could almost do with doing a lighter tone X Men film because mm. Apocalypse was pretty heavy tone wise, even if they didn't fucking execute it like they intended to. Um, I mean, X Men all... the musical, basically, what you're saying. Well, no, just something a bit more in tone with X Men or X Men Two. Mm. That well, they had heavy-ish issues going on in it. They were still quite light, and I think we need to go back to Spandex. the a bit more of a popcorn movie. Mm. I don't think you should continue chasing the R rating on an X-Men film. Yeah. I think, yeah, maybe... I found it a bit odd hearing Charles Xavier say the F-bomb so many times. Yeah. Yeah, they did, like, fill their quota of F-bombs, didn't they? I like how we're suddenly saying F-bomb, like we've not said fuck during this podcast <laughs> Um, but yeah I think I think they need to look at what they've got and how best to move forward with it mm. rather than just diving right in with yeah you can continue with this first class timeline because I don't know with that are they going to continue setting them in the 80s are they going to do another time jump forward mm. it's like where do you draw the line but like I say I think there's nothing wrong with this is the thing that's getting me at the moment with the people who defend the DC movies. It's like, oh, what, you don't want a film that's deep and thinks about things and offers you a different, darker take. It's like, yes, but you can still do that in a popcorn-y way. Mm. And I think the term popcorn movie is kind of thrown around as a bad thing a lot now. Like, you know, there's no depth to your film, it's just a popcorn movie. I'd say things like Civil War, Winter Soldier are popcorn movies. Yeah, they were very well done popcorn movies, absolutely. They were, with a story. You can have a really good story in a mm. popcorn movie. It does. I mean, what the fuck do you think Star Wars is? Yeah. 
even the Lucas original ones, they're popcorn movies. Absolutely. That's See, what... maybe that's where the, the, the whole prequels went wrong, because they weren't popcorn movies. That inquired a bit of thinking. Yeah, I think they were. I just think that they weren't your traditional popcorn movies. They weren't. They don't have the rewatch. I mean, I really like the prequels, but I can see the faults with them. But they don't have the same rewatch value that the originals have. Mm. Although I must confess, I find A New Hope incredibly tedious until about halfway through. Is that because you've seen it so many times? Sir? I think quite possibly. Yeah, you've just slagged off A New Hope. I've done it a lot. It right. is. You watch it now, you will find that until they sort of meet Han Solo, mm. it really is quite slow and draggy. Nothing really happens in that beginning bit. Mm. Tell me one really exciting thing that happens in the first half of A New Hope. The um, whole beginning bit with Vader. Apart from the beginning no, bit no, with no, Vader. I've done it. No, Vader. There you go. The most exciting bit in in um, in cinematic right, history. Name me another one. That isn't Darth Vader walking through a door and looking at dead people that we now learn from Rogue One. He could have taken out himself the lazy shit. Um, okay, hang on. Do you think that was the last of his like Sith power where he takes those people out in the corridor in Rogue One? Because you think in continuity, it's about, what, an hour later at most that he oh, then yeah. sends Stormtroopers through to gun everybody down? <laughs> yeah, that's called recharge. <laughs> He's just kind of, I'm all Sith out now. I'm <laughs> Sith out. Because... Nowhere in the rest I'm of... I'm out of sin. I can't remember Nowhere in the original trilogy does he show that much Sith power where he's fucking throwing people around with his force fucking hands. And... It's got something to do with there not being special effects at the time that it was made. But you still need to be in... It's kind of like... It was like and I am spent. <laughs> can you imagine, like, in For the Jedi. next nine years, no. Can, can you imagine Return of the Jedi if they wanted to do a Yoda scene a bit like they'd done in the prequels? They'd end up chucking the puppet up, up in the air from <laughs> bits of string. Just Frank holds his hand. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be like the Muppets. You know when the Muppets, they want to be quick, they just jerk them. It'd be like, ah, you know. <laughs> He's replaced with a Kermit. <laughs> 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 but no I think people need to start embracing the term popcorn movie for everything I've not seen it yet but everything I've heard about Kong is that it's not the best film but it's a really good popcorn movie yeah I've seen Kong it's a that, brilliant popcorn movie that plot wise there's not a lot going on it's a little bit over complicated at times but just as a popcorn movie yeah the, yeah there's a couple of questionable bits questionable bits in it but no it's a great film yeah really enjoyed it but and I think that's where they need to start moving back to with comic book movies. Not, mm. like I say, not to the point where you're back in Batman and Robin territory, and not to the point where everybody's doing it. But I think you need to judge the tone of your characters. Like say, the X Men wouldn't work as a fanta- excuse me, a Fantastic Four style romp, or a Guardians of the Galaxy style romp. But because there are deeper issues going on of prejudice and all that sort of thing. But I think, like I said, I think the first X-Men and X-Men 2 really work as popcorn movies. I can go into those films about 20 minutes in and quite happily finish watching it. Mm. They're like what we were talking about earlier, a movie that you can easily dip in and out of or put on. A favourite movie. Yeah, kind of thing. They don't have the weight of A Days of Future Past, which is a great film, but it's not one you can sort of flit in and out of. Mm. You have to watch it, kind of thing, and 
There's a lot to be said for that kind of movie. Like Mac and Me. Like Mac and Me, yeah. Mm. They'll be back, you know. They'll be back with a bubblegum. We said that, they're going to announce Mac and Me 2 tomorrow, no? Yeah. Like, it's finally happening! So. The fucking Ronald McDonald movie. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think that's, there's not a lot to say on Logan, really, I don't think. I think we've said enough on it. I think it. we've said enough. I think it's, it's go see it. Good. it is, it's good. It's definitely well worth seeing, and I think it's probably worth seeing again. I'll wait for the DVD, though. Or mm. Blu-ray. I'm not a peasant. But <laughs> 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 well, I mean, that's the other thing with comic movies. I'm inevitably going to buy them when they come out anyway, because fuck it, they've got to go on the shelf. I need them for the library. Have you bought um, Doctor Strange yet? Yes. Yes. Uh, like my wife's, I don't wait for Take That Rules. I don't wait for Marvel movies. Oh, okay. Although I should, because they eventually go in a buy one get one free or buy one get one half price kind of mm. deal so um, what do you think of Moana I've not seen it I haven't seen it no I want to see it I've got the art off book and it looks stunning mm. and you know it's got the rock in it so it can't be bad he's fantastic in it Moana's brilliant by the way so that's a film we got to look forward to Fast and Furious 8 oh they got a freaking tank and submarine and the bloody torpedo and crap those films like really came into their own like I was never a fan of them mm. and then I watched them because I wanted to watch 7 because I wanted to see how they handled the Paul Walker thing mm. and fuck me if a Fast and Furious movie didn't make me cry at the end oh yeah I remember that Fast 7 the way they handle it is <laughs> gone well off Logan now but it's beautiful just the way the cars part yeah and he goes off and I'm just going fuck man this fucking movie made me cry it's got Fast and Furious in the top do you think Fast and Furious are the modern day Rocky movies uh, I don't know because I was never that big a fan of Rocky. Oh, you're wrong. Did Rocky ever feature a line? Um, after you've crawled through about thirty feet of concrete, you'll find my fist and a body bag waiting on the other side. Similar. Cool. Then um, Rocky's all right. <laughs> but but where they kind of they start off quite dark, quite quite serious, and then they just get this, they oh, basically they've, they've they definitely get... become. You know, spoof of themselves. Yeah, absolutely. Then, yeah, without ever taking that sort of tongue out of their cheek kind of thing, Mm. they're very much straight about it. So, do you reckon my fat like Fast and Furious Ten will be back to the kind of gritty? He's looking. He owns now as a restaurant, and um, he trains another another guy and fights him in the the street. The weird thing with Fast and Furious is the first couple were about illegal street racing. Mm. Then I think it's the fourth one. They start doing heists. So it becomes like Ocean's Eleven with cars, but without the is gag. That Tokyo Drift. Tokyo oh. Drift is the third one. Hmm. If you want to talk about a fucked up timeline, technically it goes Fast and Furious, Too Fast, Too Furious, uh, Fast and Furious. And what's the first one called? The, the Fast. Fast and the Furious. Fast and Furious. Fast and Furious is the fourth one. Then Tokyo Drift happens before seven. So you get four, five, and six. Right. Then it goes to Tokyo Drift. Yeah. Then you get Fast Seven. And then, then you Fast get eight. Season of the Witch. Then you get Season of the Witch, which is the one without Michael Myers. In yeah. It. So, oh my God, Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift is the Season of the Witch. <laughs> <laughs> Except for the fact that um, Vin Diesel does have a cameo in Tokyo Drift. Does he? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, because there's a thing that in from. Lucas Black's character in Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift walking over away from his car across to Dom mm. to then actually see in that conversation is about it's about ten years apart. 
but oh, okay. within the continuity yeah. of the film, it's like mere minutes. It's like bizarre if you ever try and sit and put your head round. <laughs> do you think there's a scene in this new Fast and Furious movie where they actually do jump a shark? I don't know. It's got to be coming, or a fucking Sharknado the way it's going. Oh yeah, jump a Sharknado. That'd be amazing. They've pretty much done everything else now. I don't know what else they can do. Yeah. Maybe in space. Well, that's or where machetes meant to be going. So, <laughs> Fast and Furious, the final frontier. Yeah. But anyway, we have gone well off track. Considering really this is meant to be about Logan. <laughs> um, yeah, Fast and Furious special coming soon. <laughs> Um, yeah, cheers for listening if you made it this far. Sorry, this one was a bit rambly. It was, yeah. Well, it was. we had a lot to catch up on, to be honest. We did have a lot to catch up on, yet it seemed to catch up on nothing. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but we're very tired. We... Yeah. You try putting on a con. <laughs> <laughs> or two. That's what we're now doing, because yeah, we're absolutely. sadist bastards. <laughs> yeah, because one wasn't stressful enough. We went for two. Because weirdly, we thought double the load, half the stress. Mm-hmm. It's like a McDonald's. A burger, isn't it? You can't, yeah. you can't stop at one. No. One makes you feel sick. Two sort of cells. <laughs> they counteract each other. But anyway, uh, yeah. Cheers for listening, and we will be back in a month or so. Yep. Um, if you want to let us know what you think, um, you can post a comment. But only nice ones, please. We've got very sensitive egos. Yeah, absolutely. I'll cry. Um, if you made it this far, um, put toast or something like that so we know you made it to the end. Mm. And uh, you have our undying gratitude and respect for making it this far yeah, through this waffly shit. Put toast in the comments and then, then go and like I am Zoot. We haven't mentioned I am Zoot. I, I am Zoot. Zoot. Yes. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash the, the, real, the Zoot. real Zoot. Not I am the real Zoot. No, just the real the Zoot. The real Zoot. Um, look. Obviously, OK True Believers across all platforms were there. You can find us except Snapchat. We haven't got a Snapchat yet. And I am Zoot. Is I am Zoot on Snapchat? No. No. No, it's on Instagram. Yeah, we're on an Instagram. I just rarely have photos on my phone. To... What does it do? Well, Instagram. Mm. I know you just, 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 just photos. Photos, yeah. Oh. Snapchat's the one where you post a photo and it disappears after a while. That's why it's popular for sending dick pics. Ah, oh, I see. So, which is probably why we've never set up a Snapchat. No, no, no especially if you, you send dick pics to Snapchat. Nobody wants to see True Believer, Toja. No. <laughs> Oh, that though, come on. <laughs> Just read the title of the episode. It's like an Alan Davis as yet untitled kind of thing. <laughs> the True Believers Todger. You've been listening to True Believers Todger. <laughs> True Believers Tuesday Todgers. <laughs> and on that note, cheers for listening, Bye-bye. and we will speak to you soon. Bye. <laughs>